Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The prices will go up because them stockholders need to be paid, don't you know? They got to make their money because they got Mercedes payments to make. So you're going to have to pay $5 a gallon for water. That's where it's going, folks. What's at issue in Congress right now, and thus what she has been responding to, is whether or not to grant U.S. President Barack Obama, that's Barack Hussein Obama, the fast-track trade promotion authority, which that's a nice way of saying secret, okay, authority. He can do it all in secret, because the bottom line is, folks, if they do the fast-track, That means nothing will get released. If congressmen and senators want to see what's in it, they got to go sit in a secret room and read it and try to remember what's in it. They can't bring any staff members, and then they got to go vote on it. Yes or no? Yes or no? That's it. That's a secret. And you never get to see it, folks. And that's a secret trade deal. And then, oh, we made a secret deal, and now you're going to be obligated to obey it. That's their deal. That's what Fast Track will do for you, folks. It's not Fast Track. It's Secret Track. We want to do everything in secret, and then just dump it on top of you and say, there you go, and now you're obligated. Now, if they don't get Fast Track, that doesn't kill The trade deals outright, although it would eventually kill the trade deals. Because if you, the public, ever, ever find out what's in this thing beforehand, you would never be for it. Never in a million years. And see, this is why they don't want you to see it. It's the only reason they don't want you to see it. I mean, how stupid are you? You're going to buy all this claptrap about, well, we got to keep it secret so all the other nations that are involved in it don't see what kind of screwing they're getting because what kind of good deal we're giving some other country until it's all done with you. What, really? You don't think the other countries actually get to see the trade deal? You don't think they know what the deal is with everybody? Of course they do, folks. No country is going to engage in a negotiation where, oh, no, you don't get to see what's going on anywhere but with you. Nope, nope, sorry. Mm-mm. This is a big trade deal among all these nations and you, but you don't get to see what anything's going on except with you. Nobody's going to go for that. They know what's going on. It's not about them not knowing. It's about you not knowing. You know why? Because you would say, no, we're not doing this. This will destroy this nation. Because it will destroy the middle class, what's left of it. And that's exactly what the elite want to do. 
They want you all serfs on the land, just like in the good old days. And I mean the good old days as in the dark ages, because that's what they're looking for. That's what they want. They want to live in their little mansions up on the hill with all their, uh, you know, with all their good stuff up there. And then you can just work their land for them and everything that you make, you can give to them. And maybe they'll let you keep enough to live on. Maybe. This is their idea of the future. And they've got to, for some reason, get it all legal, make it all legal, got to write it down, got to write it down, got to get you all to say, oh yeah, our representatives did this. Mm -hmm." Congress yet, and have not even been made public. Let's see. The trade deals themselves are not even before Congress and have not even been made public. Though the first one up for consideration will be TPP with Asia. But that deal, like the others, will virtually certainly go down to defeat unless the president first wins fast track. Now, why is that? Why will they most certainly go down in defeat unless he can keep everything secret? Folks, doesn't that stink to you? To where, wait a minute, you're telling me well, we got to keep this secret or else it will never pass. Well, you know, if the American people think it's such a sucky deal that if they find out about it, they won't let you pass it, what do you think you're doing? Why are you doing this? I mean, you're actually admitting you are committing treason to the American people. I mean, that's extraordinary. I mean, they commit treason all the time, but to get up there and admit they're committing treason, because that is what they're doing. Well, see, if we don't keep this secret, it won't pass, because if you find out about it, you will make it very clear that, you know, you better not pass this. Now, what does that mean? That means it's a bad deal for the American people and they don't want it. But Congress now, oh, well, in that case, we just won't tell you. We'll just do it anyway. We'll do it behind your back. The reason Fast Track is the issue now before Congress is that it's actually the only feasible way for Obama to be able to win congressional passage of TPP or any of the big three trade deals. It's crucial because it reduces the constitutionally required two-thirds of senators voting for a given trade deal down to merely 50% of senators, plus Biden, needed to vote for it in order to deal the deal to become U.S. law. Wait a minute. Really? Because they passed a law? Oh, we got a little, uh, we got a little uh, secret uh, fast track thing here. And, uh, oh, it allows us to just shit can the Constitution. Yeah, sure it does. Hey, guess what? That's an act of treason. Anybody who votes for fast track should go to prison immediately. As a matter of fact, they should go on the end of a rope and be swinging in the breeze because they have committed treason in a time of war. They have given aid and comfort to the enemy. Because, folks, you can't just write a law and say, well, 
uh, we've decided to write it down and say we don't have to do what the Constitution says because, well, we just wrote it down. Oh, yeah, why don't you try that next time you get pulled over by a cop? I'm allowed to drive as fast as I want, and then sign it. And then when you get pulled over for speeding, just hand it to the cop and say, Hey, I'm allowed to go as fast as I want. Look, see, I wrote it down. And you know, it's got to be okay because, well, that's what Congress is doing. And Congress can only do what the people can give them the authority to do. And the people can't give their representatives more authority than they themselves possess. You get what I'm saying? If I can't do it, I can't tell you you've got permission to do it. Now, I can say, look, uh, okay, I'm allowed to cut my lawn. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to hire you to cut my lawn. Do you agree? Sure, I agree. Okay, fine. This is what I'll pay. You cut my lawn. See, I'm allowed to give you the authority to cut my lawn because, see, I myself possess the authority to cut my lawn. I can delegate that to you. I can pay you to do it. But you see, I can't just say, hey, you know, my neighbor's pissing me off. How about you kill him? I'll pay you. Oh, yeah, guess what? You go to jail for that. You know why? Because you yourself do not have the authority to kill your neighbor because they're making you mad. Therefore... You don't have the authority to go hire somebody to do what you can't do yourself. So anything the government is doing, well, you you have the authority to do. Well, really? These people took an oath to uphold the Constitution. Now they're sitting there writing a a a, a mere law. A legislative act that says, well, we don't have to do the two-thirds senator thing. Man. Clinton said that it's so important for Obama to win fast-track authority that I am willing to try now to see whether you can push to get rid of the objectionable parts to drive a harder bargain on some of the other parts so that Congress will grant the president fast-track trade promotion authority. You know, they got fancy names for treason. Her underlying assumption, which she knows is false, is that to drive a harder bargain is a harder bargain against foreign nations, not against the publics in both the U.S. and all nations. International corporations will benefit enormously, but Obama is not negotiating against them. He's negotiating against the public for the international corporations. We have an absolute 100% trader in the White House. And we have a bunch of treasonous whores in Congress supporting him, and most of them are Republicans. Unbelievable. 
And, you know, all the talk about Pelosi this and Pelosi that. Well, guess what? Pelosi is working almost every day to get fast track to pass. The White House's secret weapon on trade is Nancy Pelosi. Administration officials have been so impressed by Nazi Pelosi's approach to negotiations over giving President Obama fast-track trade authority that they've started to consider a crazy possibility. She could even vote for it herself, but only if she has to. So what's going on here is Nazi Pelosi is getting up in front of everybody saying, oh, we got to get tough, this is a bad deal, Uh, blah, 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 and I'm not voting for it. But then, in the back rooms, she's strong-arming all the Democrats to change their mind and go ahead and you vote for it. That way you vote for it, and I'll sit up here and I won't vote for it, and that way I can go back to all my union money bags and say, see, I didn't vote for it. But meanwhile, in the back rooms, she's strong-arming everybody else to vote for it. He explains that she won't vote for it herself unless she's, unless only a single additional Democratic House member, namely her, is needed in order to get this bill over the hump and to President Obama's desk. It's reported that all she cares about, based on her reported behavior, is controlling her own appearance, her brand as a pro-worker so that she won't be able to be attacked in a Democratic primary by someone who is running to the left of her saying, you sold us out. But she is selling you out. She's not the only one, of course. In this case, the Republicans are selling you out faster and harder than Nazi Pelosi. They're not trying to hide behind, oh, I'm pro-worker. No, the Republicans are saying, screw the American worker, screw the American way of life, screw the American middle class. Hey, bring in the corporations, because those are the boys that pay our bills anyway. Not the nation's bills, but their own personal bills. This is why they get to live like millionaires on, what do they get paid? A couple hundred grand a year? Yeah, well, why don't you take a look at their how much they spend? Yeah, take a look at how much they spend every year. It's like three times their salary. Where's that money coming from? You know, being a congressman or a senator in the United States is not like it is in the, some of the states. It's not a part-time job. It's supposed to be a full-time job. That's supposed to be your income, your job, this is it, you've sold out, you're a public servant for however long you hold that office, and you can go get a real job when you're done. But until then, this is your full-time job, but that's not the way it is, folks. They make a whole lot more money somewhere else, from somebody else. Now, good luck, you know finding out who that is exactly, but that's what they're doing. In other words, Nazi Pelosi already is working hand-in-glove with the White House on this fast-track matter. Pelosi wants these trade deals to become U.S. law just as much as Hillary does. But, of course, Democratic voters generally don't know this, and she's not going to tell them. Man... 
It is also reported that there's some anger on the part of many House Democrats who don't like Pelosi's double dealing on this. They were enraged that she wanted Obama to win Fast Track. They're strongly against it. It's why the vote of Friday was disastrous for the president. Pelosi tried to do everything she possibly could in order to win Fast Track for the president. Here's how she helped. In order for any law to be placed upon the president's desk for his signature, both houses of Congress, both the Senate and the House, need to first agree 100% on the contents of the bill, meaning they have to be identical. Because a president cannot sign two different versions, only one final version, which has passed both houses the same. Then he can sign it. The Senate has already voted for a fast track that includes something called Trade Adjustment Assistance, which will, retra- which will retrain. Okay, look at this, folks. Now, here's a bill. You think you're not going to lose your jobs? You think you're not going to lose your jobs? The bill includes the TAA, which will retrain some of the U.S. workers who will lose their jobs to foreigners on account of these deals. So they know you're going to lose your jobs, but you're going to be retrained. Retrained to do what? Exactly. Let me tell you how retraining works here in Oregon. Because I watched retraining, okay? When the federal government came in and shut down all the mills, shut down all the logging, took away all the livable blue-collar jobs. Yeah. Retraining. Let me tell you what retraining was like. The way it was written was, hey, you can go to college. Or you can do this other thing, which I'll get to in a minute. Well, guess what? They didn't want to put anybody in college. You had to fight for it. You had to rip out the law and say, right here, buddy, it doesn't say you, you may, it says you will. This is what I want. This is what you're going to do. And they fight. And they fight. And they say, oh, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Well, you push hard enough and you can get your way. But. Why they don't want you to go to college is because they had another deal. Now, here's how it goes. At the time, mill workers were making anywhere from, you know, 12 to 20 bucks. You know, some people were making more, but that, that was about the average in there, 12 to 20 bucks an hour. 12 bucks for somebody just starting on cleanup or something. But you got to remember, minimum wage, you know, minimum wage is now nine ten an hour here in Oregon. It was something back then, something like $6 an hour. So 12 bucks was not a bad salary for somebody just starting at the mill. And then from there, you, you know, as you make your way through the mill and get different jobs, your pay goes up. So anywhere from 12 to 20 bucks an hour, mostly 15 to 20 bucks an hour range, right? So... The government says, oh, hey, here's the retraining. Uh, you can go get, go get, go find a job anywhere and, you know, give them the paperwork that you're in retraining. Let's just use our favorite corporation as an example because they, they were an example of this and you could go there. Walmart. Now, let's say Walmart is paying their employees $6 an hour, you know, minimum wage. 
So you go in there and you say, well, I'm being retrained. Want to hire me? And they go, oh, yeah. Give us that paperwork and you come on in here. Well, what's the deal? Well, first off, the government sweetened the deal for corporations like Walmart retail to say, okay, look, you normally have to pay these guys $6 an hour. Tell you what, you only got to pay them $3 an hour for the first year. We'll, we'll pick up the rest. And then they tell the worker, oh, you're being retrained. So, you know, you can go to work at Walmart at this minimum wage, dead-end job, and we'll pay you $15 an hour for the first year. Oh, boy. So that doesn't sound too bad. So you go to Walmart, and then the second year, see, your pay gets cut down. Because now the government says, hey, Walmart, you're going to have to pay these guys minimum wage. Oh. But Walmart figures, well, all right, we got somebody here who's actually stayed a year, and they kind of know what's going on around here. So, yeah, all right, you know, uh, you've shown yourself you show up on time and all that stuff. So, fine, we'll pay you minimum wage. Ooh, aren't they sweet? So, now you're getting minimum wage. Well, Walmart's paying minimum wage, and your your salary goes down to $12 an hour. Okay, so you still, you know, all right, well, we'll take a little cut. Well, then, third year, guess what? Now you're down to $10 an hour. Now, the theory was they're going to pay you this, and, they, you know, all these corporations are going to be so happy with all the wonderful labor they got that, of course, they're going to give you raises every year, and you're going to start out the first, the second year making, you know, minimum wage, and then it's going to be 7 bucks, and then 8 bucks, and then 9 bucks, And by the time... The government whittles your pay down to 10 bucks an hour. Oh, the corporation will want to pay you that anyway. Well, that's not how it worked out now, is it, folks? But that was the line of crap that retraining was sold to the American, the, the, the Oregonian worker. Okay? Sound like a good deal? And what training exactly did you get? Welcome to Walmart. Welcome to Walmart. Right? Or were you trained to stock shelves? Okay, look, man. You you take this little gun here, and you point it at that, that sticker, you push the button. Ooh. Yeah, you need a few years of training in order to do that, don't you? You see, folks, retraining is a lie. Because there's nothing to be retrained for. Okay, there are no... Once they take away... And they already have. So, you know, I mean, this is kind of a dead duck in the water anyway. Because there aren't any more livable wage jobs anyhow. But what few there are, once they go, there are no more livable wage jobs. What are you going to be trained to do? And let's just say you do push it. And you do say, hey, man, uh-uh. You say I can go to college, so I'm going to college, by golly. Okay, what are you going to go to college to learn? How to stand in the unemployment line and look good in your suit with your briefcase? Is that what you're going to do? 
Man, oh man, I'll tell you what, folks. We have a small window of opportunity here, and I don't think we're going to close it. I don't think America is going to do anything. I think the fat, stupid, lazy American is just going to sit there and let this happen and then whine about it when it's over. Well, you know what? It's going to be over if this goes through. And no, I'm not necessarily talking about the listeners of AVR or any other alternative media because you folks know what's going on. You're not just sitting there in a in a in a mind funk wondering, "Oh, uh, why is this guy blue?" You know, but I do have to ask you, what are you doing about it? You writing your congressman? You calling your senator? Are you talking to these people? Are you telling them the facts that you know? That you know what they're doing? That they are committing treason? And exactly where do you get the authority to just shit-can the Constitution and say, Oh, we only need 50%, not two-thirds. Where do you, where do you get that? Where do you, where's that authority found? You don't have it. It's treason. You're violating your oath of office. Have you called them? Have you told them? Have you written commentaries to your local newspaper? Have you tried to educate the people around you? Because if you haven't, you know, it, being educated and knowing all this stuff really doesn't do much good. Now, I used to do all that stuff. But I figured, you know what? I didn't feel, I, I felt I could do more. I felt I could, you know, widen my reach with a newspaper, widen my reach, and then with a radio network. You know, I mean, you could do that too, I suppose. But most of you don't have the time to do stuff like that. Maybe you have the technical ability, maybe you don't. But you know what, no matter what your technical ability is, you can talk to people. You can you can talk on the phone. I know you can. Now, is there a guarantee that if you do this, if you put the effort forth, that it's gonna you're gonna win, that it's gonna work? No, there isn't. You know what? I did that with NAFTA, and look where we are. That didn't work. I didn't win. We lost, and we lost big. You want to lose big again? You want to lose even bigger? Because these three trade deals will kill this nation. I'm telling you, there's no sucking sound. There's not going to be any sucking sound. I don't know, what do dead people sound like? That's what America's going to sound like. So, you know, if you want that, don't do anything. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
packed. Twelve o'clock, said the place was packed. When the police knocked, both doors flew back. Skipped on rock, going round and round. back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's June 15th. It's 2015. And it's about 1243 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's all true where you're at, we're live, which means you can participate in the show. And what I mean by that is, hey, if you think about it, there's not much difference between live and recorded, except you can participate. Well, other than, you know, if there's breaking news, and uh, I don't know, a couple times a week there usually is, but for the most part, you know, it's stuff that, I mean, it might be breaking news to you, uh, everything is, if you don't know about it already, so, you can call in 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980, or you can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Uh, they're the same, uh, well, they're actually not right now. See, this is one of those times when they're not. The, uh, theamericanvoice.com has the wrong call-in number on it. Yep, I noticed that. Gotta get to that. Although, I'm a little behind on things because, yeah, I have yet another hard drive failure. You know, these things happen maybe once, twice a year, uh, because, uh, well... It turns out this time I really can't I really can't complain too much because it was an ancient hard drive uh, 160 gigabyte ribbon uh hard drive you know so I've got I got my I got my uh use out of it and uh you know I I can't really <laughs> complain junk you know, because uh, it, it served well for a long time, but nevertheless, it did fail, and that's left me in a kind of a jam where I got to do that. You know, and uh, that's how emergencies go. You know, you gotta gotta go. Well, all right, these other things uh, have to wait while I deal with this, and then of course those things all pile up. You get behind, yada yada. You know, same thing that happens in your life. Anyway. You can participate in the show in the chat room, which is on our website. There's several people in there now doing that, and they made some guesses on the uh, uh, on the songs played. We generally play in the uh, stump the room in the evenings, uh, you know, because there's usually more people in the room and more people guessing, but people are guessing in the daytime too, so I will give you who it was. The first song was Rolling and Tumbling. Now that song's been done and redone by many, many people, or should we say covered. 
That particular version was by a band named Canned Heat. I'm sure you've heard of it. Now, the second song was Around and Round, and I know you've heard of this song, The Animals. So there you have it. Those were the two songs there. All right. Another way you can, uh, you know, uh, participate if you want to only send me a message is through Yahoo Instant Messenger. The screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay. So, let's get back to Hillary Clinton supporting the fast track. You know, the act of treason. Yeah. Well, anyway, so what is this TAA thing? Well, it's something that that Senate Democrats required in the bill in order for them to pass it through the Senate. So, of course, the prostitute, Mitch McConnell, said, well, whatever, okay. Uh, He had to do it, or else he would have never got anything through the Senate. Okay. Here's the deal. The draft that will come up first if the president first wins fast track, McConnell demanded from Senate Democrats that the federal money, now get this, this is Mitch McConnell, okay? This is Mitch McConnell, some old fool married to some young Asian woman, okay? He demanded from Senate Democrats that the federal money to pay for TAA, which is retraining, would come out of the hides of Medicare beneficiaries. Yeah, that's right. They're not coming up with any more money. They're going to take it out of Medicare. And, though reluctantly, enough Democrats in the U.S. Senate went along with that so the bill could pass in the Senate. See, they don't really care. Yeah, ah, who cares, Grandma? Too bad about your Medicare. We're taking it out of you. And then go on to the House where it was voted down on Friday. What's key is that because in the House, Democrats voted overwhelmingly, that was the 300 to like 100 vote against TAA, the version that passed the Senate with the Medicare cuts There's nothing now that can go directly to the president for his signature. See, that's the real importance of it. Because they, now, they took a second vote on TPP. It passed. Didn't pass by much, but it passed. So even these Democrats that, you know, are so-so about fast track, and they're not so-so about fast track. They want to give this president fast track. But they want something in return. They want to be able to take something back to their constituents and say, hey, we got you this. That's all. Yeah, we screwed you, but we got you some crumbs. Now, the Republicans, they completely screwed you, and they didn't want to give you any crumbs. So we're better than them. We want, Hey, here's some crumbs. This is, what we're, this is what we're dealing with, folks. This is really the reality of it. Um, so, even if the House comes up with something, it's not going to be the same as the Senate. House Republicans were shocked 
Democrats in the House weren't accepting the bill that had obtained the support of enough Democrats in the Senate for it to pass in the Senate. Republicans on Friday responded to that failure for them and the President Obama, which they all got elected in the office so they could stop Obama's agenda, and here they are working with him for his agenda by holding an immediate vote on fast track without any TAA in it, and it barely passed in the House. However, it cannot go to the President's desk because it's a different bill than the one in the Senate. This was, therefore, just a symbolic win for House Republicans. I mean, this is all just a big game for them, folks. They really view you as just little pawns on some little board that they can screw over and take advantage of and then get up there and hold your baby and smile at you and expect you to go, Ooh, celebrity! And you know what the sad thing is? Most of you fall for it. That's really the sad thing. I, I, You know, I don't go to political rallies because, you know, I'm not impressed with their celebrity. As a matter of fact, if I was to go, I would probably cause a problem to be arrested over. Because just looking at them would anger me to the point where, I, you know, I might do some arrestable infraction or something. Because uh, they make me sick, folks. The the sight of them makes me want to barf. And that's just on TV. To see them in real life, I you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's people all over the, you know, they throw shoes at politicians. I, you know, I don't know. Bricks seem more appropriate in America. You know, but anyway... So they, they're playing this game, and they took the little vote, and, uh, you know, this is John Boner doing this, okay? The news media has headlined about Hillary Clinton's statement, and, of course, uh, um, Clinton urges Obama to work with Pelosi on trade deal, but Obama already has been doing that, and still doing that, precisely that. And then they, they, in the press, they Hillary Clinton snubs Obama on trade deal. And that's just false. Okay, that's just not true. The media is trying to make Pelosi and Clinton look like they're working for you little folk out there. And they're not. They're just putting on a show for you and they're working against you behind the scenes. It's just disgusting. I, I'll tell you what, folks, you know... I'm trying to give you as much information about this as possible so you can talk to other people and actually, you know, <laughs> try to get them to do something, too. Because, you know, the bottom line is if enough people do stuff, uh, they have to take notice. Doesn't mean they're going to stop. Doesn't mean we're going to win. But if we do nothing, we definitely won't. If we do something, we might not, but we might. Now... Here's a question. Why is the Army hiring people to provide emergency support to disaster-stricken areas throughout the United States? Does the Army expect that there will soon be a disaster-stricken areas all over the country? As you'll see, 
A job advertisement has been posted on a federal website seeking workers that, quote, will provide emergency support to disaster-stricken areas throughout the United States. This was originally reported uh, in IntelliHub, but it's not receiving nearly as much attention as perhaps it should. What parts of the nation does the U.S. Army believe will soon be disaster-stricken? By itself, this job ad wouldn't be raising that many eyebrows, but when you combine this with the unusual number of military training exercises that are being taken place all around this country, and with the very strange movements of military equipment that have been reported recently, it gives the appearance that the U.S. military is feverishly making preparations for something big. You can find the job advertisement. Uh, let's see, uh, I'm not getting, uh, let's see how long the link is here, and, you know, if it's short now, it's, it's a huge link, so I'm not going to give it to you, but, you know, you can go search for it. Here's an excerpt from the job posting. Employees occupying these positions will provide emergency support to disaster-stricken areas throughout the U.S. Employees must pass a stringent medical screening and be prepared to live and work in extremely austere conditions. Work schedule will initially be arduous with much overtime. Sleeping arrangements may be limited to using a sleeping bag or in the vehicle used to move from location to location. The duty station for pay purposes for these positions is Kennewick, Washington, with possible 75% or greater business travel in various locations throughout the U.S., Provides emergency support to disaster-stricken areas. Hmm. You know, the thing is, you've got to, uh, you got to wonder. With Jade Helm, ads like this, you know, all the talk from people about September is it, September is it, something bad's going to happen in September. Well, you know, and I'm not... I'm not poo-pooing that because something bad's going to happen sometime. Could be September, could be whenever. You know, I mean, hey, but, hey, uh, there sure is a lot of stuff going on. Now, let's see here. Uh, local residents are not even being warned in advance that a major exercise is going to be held in their community. This was certainly the case uh, with one that took place in Flint, Michigan. It was a peaceful afternoon, and then residents said it seemingly turned hostile. I was standing there, and all of a sudden, boom, Gene Glenn said. I meant it was loud. It blew up the whole sky or whatever. It was like four or five big bangs, somebody else said. Explosions you expect in a war zone echoed through the Flint people's homes, uh, shook and those inside were caught off guard and went all down Tuesday at the shuttered Lowell Junior High on the city's east side, even though the people living there knew nothing about it until they were caught off guard by the very loud explosion. It turns out that the Army had been planning the exercises for at least six months, and it was all part of a much larger exercise being done all over the country, you know, Jade Helm. 
Flint spokesman Jason Lorenz said the city has been in talks with the Army for six months now about using parts of the city. This is part of a joint exercise being carried out across the United States. Yes, holding military exercises in U.S. cities is certainly nothing new, but in 2015 it appears that we are witnessing an unprecedented amount of activity. It's almost as if preparations are being made for some really big event. Well, that could be, folks. You know, it could be. Oh, let's see here. And here we have, I guess I'll end on this. U.S. senior diplomat on a visit Thursday to the Ukraine has slammed what she called Russian aggression in the country. Samantha Power, the U.S. ambassador shill, you know, probably party girl of, uh, you know, some big donator, uh, ambassador to the United Nations, pledged support to the Ukraine and delivered a pep talk of sorts that encouraged Ukrainians to demand, demand change, demand change. Yeah, just like you morons did with Obama. Demand change. America's clear-eyed when it comes to seeing the truth about Russia's destabilizing actions in the Ukraine. She said, adding that the U.S. support for Ukrainians is unwavering. Really? Russia's destabilizing? Russia's not the one that overthrew the democratically elected Ukrainian government during their own Olympics. That was the United States that did that. If Russia continues to violate the rules upon which international peace and security stands, power said, then the United States will raise the costs on Russia and rally other countries to do the same. Oh, really? Well... You want to go to war with Russia, folks, do you? Do you buy all the claptrap about, oh, they're not a superpower anymore. Oh, their, their military is just junk compared to ours. Yeah, sure it is. Our military's been in a war for the last 10 years. They're worn out, man. <laughs> I got to go. I'll be back again tonight. We'll do two hours starting at 8 p.m., but between now and then, we have a Full, full day coming up, so don't go anywhere, and as always, thanks for listening. Since the beginning of the United States... Kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, June 22nd, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Well, we had gold down only $15 today, minus 15 at 11.86. However, silver managed to be up 12 cents at 16.30. Platinum was down 24 at 1,064, and palladium was down also 12 bucks at 699. And uh, the USD day up 28 at 94.87. Crude oil up seven. At Popped over 60 by one penny. And the paper markets today. Oh, let's see. Paper markets today. I pulled up the wrong. Getting a little sidetracked here. Uh, yeah, the Dow up 104 points at 18,120. The NASDAQ up 36. The NASDAQ is up 36 at 51.53, and the S&P up 12 at 21.22. Ten-year yield, 2.36, up 0.09. Euro, 113, down 0.15. European markets must think there's a deal going on with Greece. Germany was up almost 4%. London was up 1.75%. Even Japan followed Long at one and a quarter percent, and um, so those markets soared. And I thought I saw China down once again, another six percent. But um, there we have it, Al. There we have it. There we another have day it. in the markets. You know, it's down fifteen bucks, and it's annoying, and the rest of that sort of thing. But it'll go back. We'll have another fifteen dollar day up. And what we are seeing is price of gold is just hovering somewhere around 1200 It doesn't get a whole above. It doesn't get a whole lot below, at least not so far. And it just seems to $15 up, $15 down. What do you make of it? Well, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see gold trade between 1150 and uh, you know 1220. Uh, might not be as low as 1150, maybe 1160, but around this 1180. Well, it's been fluctuating, trading between these two marks, and I think this is what we're going to see until uh, we have a little uh, reason to have another little pop in the price of gold. We all know it's being suppressed. Mm. We all know it's being manipulated in bulls, and uh, certainly when you have stock markets at 18,000, uh, you know, there's very little interest in gold. You know, people don't see the danger. If they do see the danger, they don't pull their funds out because it's the only place they're making any money on their dividends. You know, some of these companies are paying, you know, 3, 4, 5, 7 percent on some of these dividends. So they're willing to uh, keep their money in there, get that little. Uh, dividend check on a monthly basis and a quarterly basis, and uh, you know that's the risk people are willing to take. But for those of you who don't want to play that risk or play that game, they can always put their funds into a real currency like gold and silver. And speaking of currency, Al, last week you had uh, the the Treasury Secretary and announced. And we talked a little bit about it on this program. They were going to put a woman's portrait on the tent dollar bill 
Well, does she have to be dead before you can put her on the portrait? Well, he didn't. If so, I'm going to suggest I'm going to nominate Hillary. Oh, what, that she's going to be dead? Well, it's a good requirement. I think I think the way her ego is, she might, willing, she might be willing to fake it just to get her picture on the $10 bill. Well, maybe, it, maybe it's another one of those trans, you know, have transgender, transracial anymore. Idea. Maybe it'll be trans. Yeah, <laughs> on there. Now we've got, we got a little bit of the male thing, a little, little of the field. Yeah, could work. We could make the bill. Uh, you could distinguish the tens from the fives and the twenties and so on. We'll make a pink ten dollar bill. But what else did you have to say about this? Fortunately, what they'll use is a, a woman who has probably had some sort of an effect on women's rights and so forth instead of a woman like Abigail Adams who had uh, a lot of impact uh, early on in the country and uh, in the country and Christian and and rights and morals and and was a true patriot. So that's the kind of thing I would like to see. But the whole reason also that I wanted to talk about this Former Federal Reserve Chief uh, Bernanke, um, he wants, you know, he wants them to abandon the plan to drop Alexander Hamilton and dump Andrew Jackson from the $20 bill. Bernanke wrote today that he's appalled by the plans to replace Hamilton with a woman. He said uh, that adding a woman is a fine idea, but it shouldn't come at Hamilton expense. He called the first Treasury Secretary, without doubt, the best and most foresighted economic policy in U.S. history. By contrast, Jackson, president from 29 to 37, was a man of many unattractive qualities and a poor president. Jackson opposed attempts to establish a U.S. central bank. (laughs) So... I thought, okay, now we get now we get to the heart of uh, you know why he wanted uh, uh, Hamilton dumped, and, or once Jackson dumped over Hamilton. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. No, it's it is interesting, and it's kind of it's interesting from the perspective you would think that the Federal Reserve has something better to do than settle accounts with enemies that go back what. Close to 200 years ago, mm-hmm. huh? mm-hmm. it would appear that that would be that'd be a mistake to assume that they still have scores to settle with Andy Jackson, and you know on Jackson's uh, tombstone, I'm told that he inscribed on his tombstone, "I stopped the banks." So I don't know. They four enemies, there's no question about it. A couple assassination attempts, if I understand correctly, probably funded by major bankers. Um, and Jackson, of course, you know you know where we got the, the term okay? And Tell us. It's for Andrew Jackson, and the man was so illiterate that even though he'd been a general and the rest of the sort of thing, he was so illiterate that he thought okay meant all correct. All right? He thought you spelled all with an O and correct with a K. So he would write OK on some of his, he'd read some of these documents and say, OK, all correct. That was where we got the idea. That's where we got the, um, you know, the term OK. Oh. Interesting guy, Old Hickory. 
um, uh, undoubtedly tougher than nails. Uh, I mean, he wasn't. It wasn't. He wasn't well educated. But on the other hand, he knew what he was doing. He didn't need a profound education to do what he believed to be right. And uh, he used to give him fits back in the day. In fact, if I was up to me, I'd shift him around, maybe put him on the $100 bill. <laughs> we'll put Bernanke on the penny. <laughs> Let's do that. How about we put Ben Bernanke on the penny, and we'll move Andy Jackson up to Hundred dollar bill. Put Bernanke on the Continental. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here's a, here's a Dean story that uh, I thought you would like. Al, the Supreme Court today ruled that the government can't force raised farmers to give a part of their annual crop for less yep. than it's worth. A victory for conservative groups that hailed the decision as a win for private property rights. And the justices ruled eight to one. And this was a 1940s program. And it was born it was born out of the um, Great Depression. And it allowed the federal officials to seize personal property from farmers, fully compensating them, yep. even though the goal was to benefit farmers by stabilizing market prices. And uh, the court sided with uh, farmers Marvin and Laura who claimed they were losing money under a program they called outdated and ineffective. They had been fined $695,000 trying to get around it. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said the government, the program was authorized in 1937 that allowed to, to keep prices for raisins and other crops steady by helping to manage the supply. And I guess they put these raisins in a reserve pool to be sold outside in the open market. It. And then they used the, they used them for school lunch programs, or they were given away to charities and foreign governments. Yep. Um, I have a copy of the case here in front of me. In fact, I downloaded it earlier today. I haven't uh, had a chance to read much of it, but it does say in 2002-2003, raisin growers were required to set aside 47% of their raisin crop under the reserve requirement. You know what that means, Mel? It means we could get four scoops of raisins with our raisin brand if it wasn't for the government meddling. And that's just two, because the government was taking half the crop. So there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But in, they were also, farmers gave up 30% of the crop in 2004 and were paid nothing. Yeah. So, um, um so no, the court did the right thing. Mm-hmm. The court appears to have done the right thing, which is sometimes almost amazing in itself. But they actually appeared to do the right thing. Although this has been going on since 1937. Yeah, we've had 63, 73, uh, what? And other, years of this. And there's other crops that involves prunes, dates, almonds, cherries, walnuts, spearmint oil. I don't know what other USDA programs that fall into the same sort of uh, um, program. And there was only one dissenter, and that was Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And she said the program did not deprive the horns of all property rights. It just limited the amount of potential income they could earn from it. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's just like, really? Yeah. You know, and it's like, what planet are these people living on? Or where did they come from? You know, just, but, you know I saw an interesting article that was actually published in the New York Times on May 24th of last year. 
And I have no idea how this article, I thought I was looking at a current issue of the, of the New York Times. I don't know if someone sent me a link to it or what it was, but I was much amazed. I did not hear about it a year ago, and I haven't heard of it since. And I got the letter, and I thought, I thought the article was, was, you know, in the last week. <clears throat> and then I realized, oh my gosh, it's not. <clears throat> and what the article explains is that the Supreme Court justices have been back and revising their decisions sometimes as much as five years after the decision is made. And this has been going on since the beginning of this country. And in some instances, the Supreme Court has been going back and revising not only their own decisions, but previous decisions by previous courts. They might be revising decisions that were made 100 years ago or 200 years and cutting a little chunk out and put another piece in there. Um, the Dred Scott case, which is famous to a lot of people, turns out that that Dred Scott case, after it was decided and it was <clears throat> the court issued the decision, one of the uh, justices came back and added 18 pages of his own commentary to the Dred Scott decision, which is a famous case dealing with sort of slavery and whatever. He added 18 pages to this, and the thing about it is the Supreme Court will not admit what segments have been changed. They won't tell us where they are, they won't tell us who did them, and they won't tell us how they've been changed. Right? And the point is that the Supreme Court is actually rewriting the law. There's a little section of a precedent that they don't care for. Well, they can go back and just delete that precedent, or maybe insert a not where there was just previously an is. Um, and the whole thing calls into question the validity of all of the Supreme Court's decisions. We don't really know if we've got the decisions available to us right now that were actually the decisions that were made at the time. And this, the only way we can find out if we have a true Supreme Court case decision, is we pretty much have to get hold of a hard copy of one of the books that was published at the time and then compare it to the digital copies that are available at Find Law and uh, Westlaw and LexisNexis and so on. Um, this is extraordinarily disturbing. I mean, this is, these guys are rewriting our law without giving us notice without even refusing to tell us, okay, we did it, but we're not going to tell you where, calls the whole, the whole idea of Supreme Court precedents into question. And from my perspective <clears throat> is if they're going to be in question like that, one of the things we're going to probably see, what, what can we rely on? If we can't rely on the Supreme Court decisions, what can we rely on? And the answer would be the organic law of the United States of America, which includes Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation, Northwest Ordinance, and the Constitution of the United States. We all have pretty reliable copies of those documents. Right? So it might be. I mean, it's interesting. Just extraordinary information, extraordinary arguments, um, implications. I don't expect a lot to come of it. But a lot should come of it. Oh. 
The other thing I wanted to touch on before we go to break, the BRICS uh, Bank, they're to commence business on July 7th. They will be launched the first session of its Board of Governors in Moscow, and Russian officials have confirmed uh, the new development bank will provide a a financing alternative to the World Bank, uh, where the five large emerging markets have sought more clout. Um, The BRICS leaders also announced, of course, uh, the establishment of the BRICS Contingent Reserve Arrangement. That's a $100 billion fund from which the BRICS member countries will be allowed to draw funds when going through a crisis. Uh, It's going to be headquartered in Shanghai. India has already announced the first president of the bank. And, uh, of course, this has all led up to the uh, um, um, open membership for non-BRICS countries and and coincides with plans for the Asian infrastructure development. Development bank spearheaded by Beijing, and uh, so that is looking to uh, uh, have their uh, first session on July 7th. And I thought this was interesting. The Central Bank of Russia issued a three-ruble silver coin to commemorate the upcoming BRICS summit. Uh, these coins will be on sale at several commercial banks, and, and um, uh, the coin bearing the title. Uh, meeting of the BRICS heads of state, and it represents the growing clout of the group of five as they launch their new financial institutions. So uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting that they were able to get it out in just a couple days. <laughs> I don't know how long they were working on it, but uh, they did an issue. Uh, um, I just thought that was interesting. It's interesting that they'd issue a three-ruble coin. Mm-hmm. I can understand five and ten and maybe even two. Why do we get a three, a three ones and twos? We get a three ruble coin. That strikes me as mathematically strange. Well, you think I'm not it, saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's a little peculiar. You think it would be the same number as the number of states that are connected to it, countries? Yeah. Maybe we'll watch and see. We'll be. We're going to take a break for some commercials, and Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Oops. 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adusk, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? You know, the U.S. today is going to raise theft of federal personal records with China. Security talks began. They began annual security talks with China. And an official said it plans to raise this uh, directly, the breach of the federal government server that resulted in the theft of personal and security clearance records of millions of employees and contractors. Uh, China has openly denied the involvement in the break-in. And, uh, the, of course, the Obama administration says, oh, we're confident that China's government, not criminal hackers, were responsible. Now, my big question now, I mean, they're discussing these issues uh, cybersecurity in their annual meeting, maritime security, military relations, missile defense, nuclear policy, blah, blah, blah. When you start accusing a country of hacking into your system, I mean, it's got to be more than, hey, hey, Joe, hey, bud, you know, you, you quit that. <laughs> and, and the person that you're accusing, the country that you're accusing has got to be, um, I mean, to me, I mean, to, to accuse a country that they're breaking in, stealing personal and security clearance records of millions, millions of employees and contractors. I mean, shouldn't that be a, a fairly severe situation? I mean, or, I mean, nah, everybody's doing it, Melody. You mean you? You mean you're not hacking? You're accusing, but you're accusing a country. That's just showbiz. See, we accuse them, and over there they're accusing us of something. And uh, both sides, we need to keep our people in line by posing threats. We have to let them know that there's threats from other people. So you all better do whatever the federal government tells you, because they will protect us. 
from the dreaded Chinese. And the Chinese are doing the same thing. You better do what the Chinese tell you, the government tells you, because if you don't, they can't protect you against the dreaded United States. Yeah, but my point is, I mean, it makes it makes no sense. I mean, if you're hacking into these government programs for stupid employees and, and so forth, their personal information, I mean, wouldn't you think they would? it would be fairly easy to get into their military? Or yeah. do they already have yeah. all their military? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. isn't this, you know, shouldn't I saw it be something. more of a... I saw something back in the 1960s, if I recall correctly. I don't think it was any later than the 1970s, but I think it was the 1960s. And the United States was building a new embassy in Moscow. At the same time, the Soviet Union was building a new embassy in Washington, D.C. The Soviet Union built its embassy on the highest hill in Washington, D.C. Now, this isn't big time. I mean, it was not like we had mountain peaks up there or something. But the point was, up on that high peak, they had the maximum opportunity to intercept radio communications coming into, coming into Washington, D.C. The United States built its embassy at the lowest spot in Moscow, down the swamp, basically. And they had the least opportunity to capture radio intelligence from the other side. United States knew that the Russians had incorporated uh, listening devices into the beams, the steel beams that were used to build the new embassy in Moscow, into the bricks and the blocks and whatever else. They had the place was completely wired where they could hear anything that went on inside the United States embassy. Nobody cared. They don't care what the Russians know, knew about us, and we didn't care, and, and the Russians didn't care what we knew about them particularly. What this was about was maintaining an excuse to not tell your own people what your government is up to. The Russians or the Soviet Union at the time used the United States as an excuse. Oh, gee, we can't tell all you dumb Russians what's going on here because, golly, we've got to keep it secret to protect you against the evil United States. The United States does the same thing. We use our adversaries as an excuse to control the primary threat to our government. And what is the primary threat to our government, to the government of the Soviet Union, the government of Russia? It's the people of the United States or the people of the Soviet Union or the people of Russia. Primary threat to every government is its own people. And that's why they say, ooh, look at the boogeyman. Look at the boogeyman. Look at the boogeyman. The threat, primary threat, if the people ever knew what was going on, I think it was Henry Ford. It was attributed to Ford. He talked about the monetary system. And this goes back in a century ago, basically. He said if the American people understood the monetary system, the banking system in this country, there'd be a revolution and an overthrow the following morning. It'd start tomorrow morning. So it's a good thing they don't understand. Your government is not trying to protect, is not trying to secure its information against the Chinese. They just use that as an excuse to keep you folks in the dark. Well, here's something I found interesting. It was the USA, and this might be a common occurrence, the USA Today. Uh, the uh, author of the article was Jim Michaels, and it's about with a shortage of U.S. Navy ships, the Marine Corps is exploring a plan to deploy its forces aboard foreign vessels. Oh, that's ensure, true. How about ensure, Carnival Cruise Line? Yeah, to ensure... 
that's, that's probably the funniest thing you said, Al, in a long there time. In a long time, I'd have you know, to admit. <laughs> getting there is half the fun. You join the Marine Corps, and you will be deployed on a Carnival cruise line. You know? But this is so they can respond quickly to global crises around Europe and Western Africa. The initiative is a stopgap way to deploy Marines aboard ships overseas until more American vessels are available. Uh, let's see. Uh, they they talk of we yeah, need. I know. I know. I mean, we've had. I enough. didn't know we had a shortage since World War II. We've had enough, and now all of a sudden we're short on enough vessels. How many Marines are we going to land, and where are we going to land them? What are they planning for here? The Marines have been working with Spain, Italy, the United Kingdom, and other close allies to determine the suitability of the foreign ships for U.S. personnel and aircraft. Uh, The units would be designed for limited operations and not uh, major amphibious assaults. A ground force, they're talking about 100 to 120, would be deployed. uh, 120 men? Yeah. And they need to go buy special boats? Can't Can't they buy, I don't know. There must be something you could buy that will carry 100 people across the ocean. Doesn't Here it says, to... the U.S. Navy has 30 amphibious ships, but says it needs 38 to fulfill war-fighting requirements. Mm-hmm. It won't reach that level until 2028 because of budget constraints. Yeah, that's the point to all of this. This ultimately is a reflection of the fact the government's going broke. Broke. That's what the problem yeah. is. And they're cutting back, for the moment, they're cutting back on the military which has been, you know, sacred cow here for a considerable period of time for, you know, since World War II anyway. Um, and just recently, in the last decade or so, it's no longer quite as sacred as it's been in the past. And the day is going to come when, what else is sacred, Melody? So-so security. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You're going to be capable of working that out before it's done, where you're going to have to be 85 before you can retire. And that'll be on half. And if you want the full amount, you'll have to be 90. And the poor Greeks are unhappy because they're talking about raising their, what, 54 to 56? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and we're going to be 100. Yeah. But the one more thing to this article, it says, in addition to, and I don't know, in addition to technical requirements, such as just testing the ability of the ships to carry U.S. article uh, aircraft and equipment, they would have to reach agreement separately with individuals or or operate under NATO authorities. Well, you know, this is one of the problems. We've got this privatized government where we have contracted out a lot of governmental obligations to private corporations. And they're considering doing the same thing with hauling Marines to some foreign, to some foreign shore. Look, if you're going to have a war... If you're getting involved in this stuff, it seems to me that you ought to be able to fight the war with your own ships and planes and tanks. Shall we cut a deal with Russia, or maybe we could borrow, could I borrow a battalion of tanks? We're going to invade. We've got another country to invade here. We're a little short. Uh, Mr. Putin, could we borrow a battalion of tanks? It gets a little weird. If you're going to have a war, you ought to at least fight it with your own men and your own equipment. And if you're not going to fight with your own men and equipment, you put yourself in a position of jeopardy. You are depending. You're going to sign a contract with who? To supply ships to move our Marines to where? 
And what happens if the situation changes over the course of the next several years and we sign a contract with Spain to move people to Africa and Spain and subsequently engaged and enters into some sort of a treaty with Africa and now we can't rely on Spain to haul our men to Africa and instead of shooting, we'll take them to court. Maybe that's maybe it's a good thing, Melody. We'll just We'll settle all our dis- our disputes in court rather than on the battlefield. What do you think? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but I just I thought that was you know, another. It just needed some attention. A sign of the times, and you know, it it's a sign that things are curiouser and curiouser. No. Yeah? They are just stranger and stranger, and the reason is because the government is going broke. And why is the government going broke? In large measure, because the government has insisted on giving us a fiat currency, and now they're in a position where they can't effectively raise taxes much more on the American people, and they can't borrow much more because they're already perceived to be legally insolvent, and it's more difficult to find lenders willing to lend the government, so where are they going to find the money? And the answer is, they're not, which means they're going to actually have to cut back. Which, who knows, silver silver lining, maybe maybe it's a good thing. You know, less government, uh, in the end, less government may be mm-hmm. better, good thing for all of us. So Ultimately, it could be better. Yeah. But, uh, but we have real estate, it's saying it's got hot again. Sales are on pace for the best year since 2007. They say first-time buyers are streaming back into the market, but what I found interesting about the report was that they're going in there because they're concerned that they're going to be priced out of the market by rising mortgage rates. And uh, rates haven't even risen yet. (laughs) They haven't even raised the rates yet. And uh, I can only imagine um, this economy when rates get to 3.5% and 4%. So... um, so this is uh, why you're seeing the mad dash. It's because they can't afford higher rates. So once those rates begin rising, that's one part of the sector of the economy that will just come to a screeching halt, and that's home buyers. So. Well, it's been the rates have been rising, according to some reports, just because people have been investing in the homes. Yeah, well, just they've wait. They've been taking. Yeah, I understand. They've just uh, they think this. It's been artificially. I think they said that the. Price of homes was going up something sixteen percent at the same time that American wages had gone up something like four percent. I don't remember mm-hmm. the time frame, but five years since two thousand eight, whatever it was, I don't recall. Prices are up sixteen percent, but income is only up four percent. All right. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. Look, on average, the main, the middle class, if they're only getting a four percent raise. They can't continue to chase homes that are going up at 16%. Uh, there's going to be a moment when people finally say, once again, gee, I can't afford these house, this house. I'm going to have to abandon it. It's underwater. You know, It looks to me like we'll watch and see what happens. It's cause for a certain amount of celebration right now because it'll put more people to work as we build more homes. But they tend to be on the expensive side. And almost inevitably, it's like giving liar loans to people who are living in poverty and saying, go ahead, tell us you make $100,000, we'll believe you, 100000 a year, and we'll lend you the money because the government will buy the loan from us as soon as we, as soon as we ink the deal, so we're covered. We make ours, and uh, whatever happens after that is between you and the government. 
we're seeing something like that right now, where it's not quite the same as liar loans, but people who are perhaps not really qualified are buying more homes. Watch and see. Um, here's an article that's a little bit along those lines. Bureau of Labor Statistics releases May inflation stats. May's monthly price increase, uh, monthly prices increase 0.51%, but the annual inflation rate was still a negative 0.04%. Okay? We have been, and they go on to say, we've had, this is the fifth um, deflationary month in a row. When we're talking about negative inflation, we are talking about deflation. We are have now in the fifth deflationary month in a row. And the reason I mention this is because if you are going to borrow money in a period of deflation, you're going to have to pay off your debt with more valuable dollars. Now, it's hard to say. We don't know how far this deflation is going to go or how significant it's going to be in terms of magnitude. But nevertheless, we've had five deflationary months in a row, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that suggests that we might have six or seven before we're done, or maybe more than that. Um, it is a signal that if we're going into deflation, sensible people probably they need to think more than once about whether they want to take out any loans if they have to be pay repaying their dollars with more expensive dollars you borrow hundred thousand dollars today when you pay it back you pay back a hundred thousand dollars but the dollars are worth a hundred and ten thousand you're losing ten ten thousand dollars purchasing power and it's kind of an invisible loss but i guarantee it's there and it's real you can't see it on the paperwork but it's there and it will tend to push you into bankruptcy if you've borrowed that money so insofar as people are flocking into the housing industry right now they see that perhaps interest rates are going up but i wonder if they're paying much attention to whether we are likely to continue on into more deflation or not. I wonder if they're factoring that into their decision. What do you think, Melody? Are they or are they not? Or should we discuss that when we return from a we should, We're ready to go to break. I'm Okay. Let's take our break for our second bundle of commercials. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and we'll be back. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll free, 866-229-3000. 
866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedars, Jim on Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? Oh, we wanted to finish up the uh, your question. Could you repeat the question, please? No, I can't remember the question, Melody, but I'll tell you, I can I can do something yeah. instead. It's like I can no longer balance a ball on my nose, but I can, you yeah. know, I, I can balance a book on the top of my head. It's it's part of my posture training. You understand? Here's something from the same article I was reading from on uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and noting that we've had five months of deflation. But they go back also and they compare this to cumulative inflation. All right. And they have a graph here, which you folks can't see, of course, but the graph is interesting. And I'll tell you why. It calculates the total amount of inflation we've had from from 1913 to this year, 20, 2015. So we've had almost one century of inflation. <clears throat> and in that time, we've had 2,326% inflation in what translates into 98 years. This means that something that cost $100 in 1913 would now cost $2,426. Huh? And if you could see the graph that's here, you would also see that they started out in 1913 at 0% inflation, and then they they just kind of bounced along until 1940 without much difference in, in inflation. And then starting about 1940, it starts to jump, and that's shortly after we went off to the domestic gold standard. And it goes up at an angle of maybe 10 degrees on the graph. And then as just after 1970-71, all of a sudden it starts moving up at about a 55-degree angle, maybe 60-degree angle. All right? And what happened in 1971, thereabouts, we went completely off the gold standard um, internationally. We went off the gold standard Domestically, 1934, we went off the gold standard internationally, 1971, 
Um, and that's when the inflation really took off and started fire. The cumulative inflation as of 1971 or thereabouts, from 1913 to 1971, translates into, what, 57 years or something like that, 58 years. Cumulative inflation was 306%. All right? Not so bad. But from 1971 on until today, it's gone up to 2,328%, meaning we essentially had 2,000% inflation in the last 45 years. In your lifetime, folks. You know, I talk about this once in a while on the program, but you'll see movies, uh, TV dramas, Rustette Perry Mason is one that I kind of enjoy from time to time. And you'll see people that are suing over $20,000 or whatever. Today, it's, that's regarded as triviality. But <clears throat> back then, when they were making those black and white movies, the $20,000 was 20,000 silver dollars, right? Which would be equivalent to at least $400,000 today. You can look back and you can see how the monetary system has changed. I remember my first job. Back about 1958, 59, somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly. I was in junior high, <clears throat> probably about 1958, seventh grade, something like that. I don't recall it exactly. so long ago. Yeah, it seems like it, but it's really not, Melody. No, it isn't. You'll see. Um, first job, 85 cents an hour. And I was just working an hour or two every night after school. And the average person would sit back and say, 85 cents an hour? Why do you even bother going to the job? Why would anyone work for 85 cents an hour? 85 cents an hour back then was 85% of a silver dollar. You understand? Today, that would be the equivalent of me making something like $16, $17 per hour as a seventh grade kid. From that perspective, you can see that, yeah, working a couple hours after school, you could make the equivalent of $35, $40 in today's money. So it became, it was a very sensible thing, take a job for $0.85 cents an hour. That was a good deal. And here we are today. It illustrates that although we may have had five months in deflation recently, um, it illustrates we've had long-term inflation in this country, and it has been huge. It's been massive. Back then, you could work. You understand that? Minimum wage, they're talking, oh, we need a $15 minimum wage. Where is that? It's less than I was making when I was a, a seventh grader working a couple hours after school just sweeping up in a garage. It gives you a perspective on where this country is, where it's been. It gives you a perspective on where it's going. You, know, you see those numbers pre-68, think in terms, you see those dollars multiplying by 20 or 25. That's, that gives you a real perspective on what the money was if you're looking at one of those older movies. You see, you know, we have had extraordinary inflation. I don't know that we've made any gains. We're sitting, about, sitting back and they say, oh, we need $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, all right, that's probably okay. I don't have a complaint with it. But how is that better than $0.85 cents an hour back when I was a kid? And, in fact, it's probably not as good. 
Well, that's make, the wage they money at eighty-five cents an hour back when I was a kid. Then grown men are making it fifteen bucks an hour today. Well, you're using the fifteen-dollar mark as a wage that they want, but what they're really getting paid is seven, eight, nine dollars. So well, that's, what the really, government gets that's, paid. that's what really. Um, no, they're getting paid seven and eight minimum wage is what seven bucks. So, but these people want fifteen dollars. They're not getting paid fifteen dollars yet. They no, want fifteen dollars. Well, so some put it into real well, some, but the ones that want the fifteen dollars in their place, it's much worse as they're only getting paid nine dollars or ten dollars. So that really puts it into perspective. Yeah. They've been beaten up and taken advantage, and it's it's how do you get taken advantage? Somebody comes up and says, we're going to give you a $500 a month bonus. And we say, yay, $500 a month. But at the same time, inflation has just gone up by 50%. Now, I'm just pulling a number out of the hat here. How are you money ahead or money behind? You know, the government acts as if it's doing us a favor by giving us $15 an hour minimum wage. If the government wanted to do us a favor, they wouldn't have put us, subjected us to all of this inflation in the first place, and we could still be working for 85 cents an hour and be glad to have it. You understand? And one of the, one, what are one of the main, who's one of the main beneficiaries of people who are making $15 an hour rather than 85 cents an hour? And the answer is the Internal Revenue Service and the income tax. What was my tax liability on making 85 cents an hour back in the day? Not much. What's my tax liability on making 15 bucks an hour? The government, by raising our rates, by inflating the currency, by causing us to make more dollars and more dollars that are worth less and less, but more dollars numerically, they increase the amount of money they can claim under income tax. Who's growing thanks to inflation? Government. You know, and it's not a surprise, and it's not just hyperbole. Why does government grow? Because inflation favors debtors. Deflation favors creditors. It's terrible. Deflation is terrible for debtors. It's great for creditors. They're getting paid back with more expensive dollars. Inflation favors debtors while they rob the creditors. Creditors are getting repaid with cheaper dollars. They're getting beat out of their money. They're being, getting beat out of the purchasing power. They get it, they borrow, they lend $100,000, they get 100000 back, but the, by the time they get their 100000 back, it's only worth $90,000 in terms of purchasing power. Inflation favors debtors. Who's the biggest debtor in the world? Government of the United States. Right? It just absolutely follows. Of course the government wants inflation. They want it to knock down the real value of its debt. They are the world's biggest debtor. They want inflation, inflation, inflation. And what they're doing is they've seen five months of deflation. This has to be very disturbing for them. They're looking for 2% a year. And according to the report we have from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we actually have deflation, net deflation over the course of the last year. All right. What are we going to do about that, Melody? Can the government? How much deflation can the government survive before it has to admit that it can't pay its debts? I'm not sure anyone knows that number, Al. I understand. I understand. I don't know it either, but the point is there is a number. 
you know, and I'm not so sure it's a matter of what the Federal Reserve can handle. It's a matter of, you know, again, the the confidence game worldwide. And um, so, um, you know, they might be able to handle more. But if there's that particular event or something that uh, causes the pressure and the elimination of that confidence of the system, it doesn't matter because it will still come crashing down. Well, but, um, and it's got to happen sooner or later. And it's one of the things that, you know, if anyone looks into this, the average American doesn't have any understanding of money other than how to count it. But if you do a little study and you do a little research, you begin to realize that all fiat currencies go boom sooner or later. They fall down, go boom. All right? They disappear, they cease to work, much like the Zimbabwean dollar. People listening to this program are probably familiar with what happened to Zimbabwean dollar, the incredible hyperinflation. At times, I don't know if it was a billion percent or more a year, but it was just fantastic amounts of inflation. And the price of the currency was changing before your eyes. If you took a Zimbabwean dollar, you expected as you accepted it as payment for something today. You couldn't wait till tomorrow to, to use it to buy something else. You had to sell it almost use that use that Zimbabwean dollar almost instantly to get something else, something tangible from someone else. I don't care what they're selling. Get something tangible. Buy some cigars. Buy a table. Buy a desk. Buy some food. Buy a car. Buy something. But something tangible. Get rid of that paper. We're going to see a moment like that. It is inevitable when you're dealing with, well, I won't say in a moment like Zimbabwe per se, but we're still going to see all fiat currencies die. They fold up under the weight of their own debt. And everybody who's still holding them, they lose their assets. All right? They're holding their wealth in, fee, in terms of fiat currency or paper debt instruments denominated in the fiat currency. When that fiat dollar dies, the paper debt instruments like stocks, bonds, pension funds, savings accounts, all of them just become essentially worthless or at least devalued to the point where they're nearly worthless. Devalued by who knows, at least 50%, probably 80 or 90%, maybe more than that. <clears throat> we don't know when that's going to happen, but we do know that it's going to happen. Right? It's going to happen. might happen this year, might happen in who knows, five years from now. I don't know. But because we don't know, it's one of the reasons why, if you're sensible, you take however much money that you have, how much currency you have, and you try to get it, in, you try to protect your wealth. Your wealth is in that currency. Your wealth is in those paper debt instruments. You try to protect your wealth by saying, hmm, do I want to keep my wealth in the form of a paper debt instrument that I know will inevitably, maybe this year, maybe five years from now, don't know when, but it's going to come to a point where it's virtually worthless. Do I want to run that risk right now, or do I want to get some gold or silver? Because if I do, my wealth will be protected. We will have an opportunity to, when the rest of the world is, is digging in garbage cans looking for something to eat, those of you who have stored your wealth in the form of a medium, that is, uh, that is not destroyed by inflation, deflation, or government manipulation. That's your wealth in that physical, tangible form of gold or silver. You know, there's other physical forms that you can do. You can do land. You can do a bunch of different things. But in terms of liquidity, something that you can spend and use, all right, 
hard to beat gold and silver if push comes to shove, and that's what we think is going to happen. Push is going to come to shove. And when it does, those of you holding on to paper dead instruments are going to be, you know, in my opinion, my opinion, you're going to be hurting. And those of you who have saved your wealth and preserved it in the form of gold or silver, you're going to be saying, huh, 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 I think we can get through. I think we've got enough to make it. Hmm? We are about out of time for our Monday program. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd pull around and have a ball. Money, money, money. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333, 530-265-8333, and let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today But only three win the Green Beret Trained to live off nature's land Trained in combat hand to hand Men who fight by night and day All right, everybody, welcome to American Voice Radio, exactly where you ought to be. And at this time, it's Freedom Call. My name is Bo Greit. I thank you for all your uh, internet connection. Your, you know, Al Gore's done a good thing. Uh, he's won the Nobel Peace Prize, or should have. At least they gave it to Obama uh, for nothing, so Al Gore should have. I got one. I think maybe he did. I know that he won uh, all in one year an Emmy and an Oscar. And yeah, he did win the Nobel Prize. So he invented the Internet. We all know that. Anyway, it is a good thing, even though fewer people are Facebooking. I don't know why. Maybe they're tweeting. Uh, Al Gore certainly did a thing inventing the Internet. Because it is a, a super tool. 
I am going to send, after the program is over, I'll call a person, and uh, I will just forward an enormous email, but it's important. Now, normally what I'd have to do is uh, copy it and then fax it page by page, and it wouldn't uh, have the same quality, but with the email, you just forward it. Bingo, it goes, it's there instantly. I mean, hey, and this is still free. Don't say it too loud, or people will start wanting to tax. Uh, well, then Al Gore would probably want some kind of commencement, wouldn't he? Anyway, uh, there are some interesting things in the news today, and uh, let me start to focus on them. One government agency, this is kind of a little uh, quiz you could give your high school graduate or maybe uh, the person you like to party with the most, and you're always asking each other funny trivia. What agency of the United States government's executive branch has twice been vetted with the recommendation of getting rid of it. <coughs> well, you're right. It is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They figure that about 85% of the BATF's prosecutions are where uh, they have set up people uh, to charge people that otherwise, left to their own, would never become uh, criminals, but the ATF is able some way or the other to manipulate it so that they do something wrong, and uh, then uh, they uh, charge them. Now, without that, the ATF uh, wouldn't bring in enough uh, to pay for their shoestrings, but ATF is part of the executive branch's treasury department, which means secret service. But the secret service says, oh, no, you don't. We're not taking anybody from ATF. Those guys are substandard uh, from the way we look at things. Well, along with the treasury department, uh, you have the U.S. Border Patrol and uh, U.S. Customs. But U.S. Customs says the same thing. No, no, we will not accept a lateral transfer of BATF personnel because the Bureau has been obliterated. Now, can you imagine that the IRS is going to suffer the same way they ought to, shouldn't they? But will they? Well, God knows. Uh, in the end, I think they will. God knows and time tells, and all we can do is hope. But the ATF has always uh, been kind of a an oil can hairy, uh, a rotten uh, kind of scallywag. Uh, it was the ATF that led uh, to 
the murder of Sammy Weaver, the wrongful death of uh, the U.S. Marshal, the most decorated U.S. Uh, Marshal, the wrongful death, actually you could call it homicide, voluntary homicide, of Vicki Weaver, and the uh, critical wounding of Kevin Harris, who was shot left arm and in the chest, and uh, the wrongful shooting in the back of um, Randy Weaver. And so with Marshall Deegan uh, being shot by one of his own men, uh, with little Sammy, who was seven, 80 pounds, uh, just a young youngster, uh, Randy Weaver yelling, come home, Sammy. It was Arthur Roderick, the supervisor of the Special Operations Ambush Team, who stepped out on the trail, shot uh, Stryker, which was the Yellow Labrador. He was had his uh, spine cut, and he was dragging himself bravely around uh, with his front uh, feet, uh, yowling in pain, of course. Uh, little Sammy said, I'm coming, Dad, turned his back on Arthur Roderick and started running up the trail. Arthur Roderick uh, shot him. He had an automatic firing M16. It had three-round burst selector. The first round missed. The second round hit him in the arm, the left arm, and almost ripped the arm off the body. The third round hit him in the back, uh, the left center of his back, and blew his heart out. So this uh, was all caused by BATF. Now, federal marshals uh, were responsible for the ambush team. The FBI's uh, supreme, ultimate uh, cop unit, call it uh, the hostage response team, also known as the hostage rescue team. Dick Rogers, the guy who was in charge of Waco, uh, was also uh, in charge of the Weaver siege. And that hostage team, uh, you know that Lon Horiuchi, a West Point graduate who was a sniper for the HRT, uh, shot the mother, Vicki Weaver, in the face while she was holding her 10-month-old baby. Now, that is shameful. But what is more shameful is that when asked in court, he said, if given the chance, I'd do the same thing again. Now, that's frightening. I've talked about people who do not have souls, people who have no conscience, people who have no heart. I know that lots of times, in most cases, preachers say that God 
is love, that God is forgiveness. I want you to notice how many times in the Bible God describes himself as a jealous God, as an angry God. So besides uh, forgiving and besides God is love, uh, God can be uh, pretty tough on those who hurt his children or those who deny his only begotten son atonement, redemption, and saving sacrifice. And it says clearly in the Bible that people who reject the Holy Spirit's testimony that Jesus is the Christ, people who do not want to see the truth, people who turn their back on God, that he will then deny them the truth. He will deny them a discerning mind. He'll deny them a forgiving heart. And these are the kinds of people you see who will take the life needlessly, who will break all of the commandments. And I think when you look at somebody like Lon Horiuchi, now, out here where I live in Sandy Valley, there was a pedophile. I had known him about five years. Uh, I didn't know that he was a pedophile. Many of you that listen to this broadcast uh, know him. His name was Charles Gibson. Now, Gibson was one of our spikers. I had baptized Gibson's children. Gibson had uh, three daughters and a son. Two of the daughters uh, were young. One of them was married. The uh, two little daughters, uh, one was in early teens, the other wasn't uh, quite a teenager. Now, Gibson was sexually abusing his own daughters. I had no knowledge of it. I wouldn't have even dreamed it. It would have been one of those things I just I wouldn't have accepted if you would have told me. But Chuck Gibson told me. He told me not once but twice not only was he sexually assaulting his own daughters, I noticed that the daughters left Sandy Valley. The mother was killed. She was from Panama, and she was killed in a single van rollover. And I went there at the scene, and uh, it was obvious what had happened, and we got Chuck and brought him home. Now, later, he began to follow, and I think a lot of it was his wife not being there. He was a person who didn't have a driver's license, so he couldn't get a tag for his car. He had a number of warrants out in uh, four or five states. 
He told me when he was doped up one night, he came by on a stolen Harley Davidson. And uh, he confessed to me what he had been doing to teenage girls in Sandy Valley, trading them dope. And uh, I offered to take him to the VA right then. He roared off saying that nobody was going to put him in a rubber room. Two of the girls of the three that he had molested in Sandy Valley were brave enough to bear testimony against him. Charges were brought. In the preliminary, the judge found three cases of gross lewdness that were sent forward for criminal trial. Now, uh, instead of this guy uh, being put away somewhere, they released him, and he was loose here in the valley. I told the police, I told the judge, uh, what you've done is precipitate a greater crime. Somebody is going to kill Chuck Gibson. And it wasn't long before he was burned to death in his motorhome. The coroner uh, ruled that the death was by fire and smoke inhalation. I went over right after this happened, and there was a felon that was living, squatting, as it turned out, on this land that was actually in California, where I live at. We have California and Nevada, and we have four counties all right together. So we are the hole in the wall. And when I ask this person, whose name is Bob Price, I said, why would you allow Chuck Gibson to park his motorhome here when you knew somebody in the valley was going to eventually take his life. And uh, this is what Bob Price said. This is the whole point of the story. About men whom God has damned. It's in the Bible where God says, you don't want the truth, I'll deny you the truth. You couldn't have the truth if you begged for it. And so these are the kinds of people that you have to be very careful of. They're a predator without a mind, without a conscience. And so Price said something to me that was right in line with Lon Horiuchi. Those two guys should be uh, together as brothers. Bob Price said the only thing that Chuck Gibson did that was wrong is that he should have skinned those little girls when he finished with them. Now, normally, that would probably shock somebody. And if it had been anybody else saying it, I'd have been shocked. But I looked at Price and said, why is it? It doesn't surprise me to hear you speak these unspeakable words. 
And he just kind of laughed a devilish laugh. And so Lana Horiuchi, the FBI sniper, got a gold medal. It was the ATF that started everything. And the ATF has just uh, done something that deserves them a third look. Twice they have been up before Congress to be done away with. Now that we're trying to cut our budget, balance it, it's a good idea to do away with the ATF. Currently, the head of the ATF, the director, is a man by the name of uh, Kenneth uh, Mel. Oh, my gosh, why can't I remember his name now that I need to? Uh, Kenneth M-E-L-T-O-N, Melton. Kenneth Melton had given his approval for an operation called Fast and Furious. What the operation did was set up uh, cameras. ATF set up cameras at different gun dealers in Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona. The gun dealers were instructed by the ATF to sell guns to the uh, narco-mafia in Mexico and uh, not to challenge them, just give them the guns. Nobody was to stop them. Well, a an agent, Border Patrol agent, which is one level up, uh, Brian Terry, uh, was killed as a result of this uh, fast and, uh, and furious. It appears, because now the ATF director is going to have to resign, but uh, listen to this, the, and I'll give you comments of the whistleblowers. But uh, there's some emails that they got uh, through the director's office. The third email shows Deputy Assistant Director for Field Operations, William McHone, was so excited about Fast and Furious that he received a special briefing on the program in Phoenix scheduled a mere four minutes after his plan landed. Now, despite strong objections by certain ATF field agents, Operation Fast and Furious continued. Listen to this. You want to know why the Mexican police can't get control of the drug cartel along Mexico? You want to know why hundreds of people are being killed while Phoenix, Arizona is becoming the murder and kidnap capital of the world? Listen to this. Approximately 2,000 AK-47s 
and derivatives. Now, an AK-47 is a fully automatic uh, that shoots uh, a war round, 7.6239 war round. 2,000 of these pass through these gun dealers with permission of the ATF into the hands of this uh, Mexican mafia drug cartel, along with, listen to this, some 50 caliber sniper rifles and 10,000 or more rounds of ammunition went to the Mexican drug cartels. Friends, we were feeding. We were sharpening the teeth. We were aiding and abetting. How did ATF and their masterminds ever expect to control those weapons once they got out of the United States through Phoenix, through Tucson, through these gun dealers? I mean, even the Border Patrol were so let them go through, let them go through. This is wonderful. This is Operation Fast and Furious. This operation has been is being monitored uh, by Washington D.C. Obama administration called this thing fast and furious, and you've got to wonder what they were thinking of when Border Patrol agent Barry. Barry Terry is killed by the Mexican drug cartel because of this. So the House Oversight, well, that's a good name for it, of Government Reform Committee released an ATF email that shows that the acting director... Kenneth Melson, M-E-L-S-O-N, wanted the web address for hidden cameras located along Arizona gun stores where these purchases were allowed to happen. With this information, Acting Director Melson was able to set at his desk in Washington and uh, himself watch and participate in these gun store sales of dozens of AK-47s to these Mexican mafia. Well, he's gotten he's he's headed for a new job. He ought to be headed to Mexico. Let him hunt down and try to recover those guns that were completely unrecovered. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Now get rid of the BAPF. All right, stay where you are. Going to have a little call. Right back. Got a lot of news.
expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis Jr., MD. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guide today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. 
Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. about Ken uh, Melson, M-E-L-S-O-N. He is uh, the guy who is now uh, taking most of the heat. Now that, uh, and it took uh, these ATF agents as whistleblowers. Otherwise, this story wouldn't be out. We'd keep wondering, where is this army equipped better than the Mexican army, got 50 caliber sniper rifles. All of them are equipped with fully automatic uh, Kalishnikovs, one of the most popular military rifles still in the world today. How do they do this? They are stronger. There's more of them. They're better armed than the Mexican army. And so... uh, there are literally, you think that it's bad in uh, Sarajevo, where the Serbs uh, were uh, doing uh, things to the Muslims. Well, and you thought it was bad, you know, during the Holocaust, where there were uh, Germans and Poles that were doing bad things uh, to They're prisoners. Friends, take a look at Mexico. They are finding open pit graves with 40, 50, 100 innocent people, young men who will not volunteer to serve in this mafia army, are just gunned down. And now we find out the head of the BATF is uh, amusing himself in Washington, D.C. Here's a Obama appointee, another one of the really great uh, czar choices. And how are, who thought we would ever have control over these weapons? Now, let me tell you, about certain programs where we have made uh, super weapons vulnerable. We first started using the Barrett 50 caliber semi-automatic sniper rifle. It's the world and still is. And if you want to argue with me and say, oh, I know one that's actually a little bit more accurate, yeah, Fire single shot or as bolt action. 
When you look overall at this Barrett, it holds 10 rounds in the magazine, one round up the spout. You can have 11 rounds gone before the sound ever gets there and cover a fairly massive area, like maybe the the MiG, communist MiG aircraft, has a four-foot compressor section on the engine. You can hit that easily from 3,000 yards. Now, how are we going to defend ourselves? It's going to take the U.S. military equipped with Barretts. Now, when we first started using the Barretts, they were designed for Managua. Managua is a big lake. Managua is a town. Managua is as a main airport where the communist Sandinista were parking uh, hind helicopters, that's their attack helicopter, and MiG fighters. The idea was that the gunner from about from any location, 360 degrees around, they only guard it for a 1,000 yards because there aren't any weapons that will shoot effectively beyond a 1,000 meters. If you look at the president and the Secret Service, they put a circle out there 1,000 meters because that's the length of the sniper rifle. With one exception, the Barrett. That Barrett, you can go 3,000 yards. Now you're fully three times away. You can sight in on a tail section of a MiG. You can pull the trigger 11 times. The Barrett breaks down in about three seconds into three major parts. You break it down in three seconds. You put it underneath banana leaves in a grove, and you hightail it down where you're drinking cappuccino when the Russians in those days or uh, Danny Ortega's Sandinista came looking. Now, what we did to make sure that a Barrett never fell into the hands of our enemies, because, you see, losing a Barrett means that somebody can turn it against you, and now at 3,000 yards, you become a target. We left several rounds with the gun. They all look the same. One of those rounds that only the gunner knew how it was marked with his identification because he didn't want to end up getting it in a magazine in a second load. One of those rounds was an explosive round. Now, you know what 
Sandinistas would have done. Danny Ortega would have said, whoa, let me personally uh, see that, uh, that monster gun. And he would have uh, laid down and uh, pulled the trigger with any luck. That explosive round would have blown a huge bolt of the Barrett right back through his head. And now you have a premium. Plus, the Barrett is gone. It's destroyed. Now, if you're going to give 50 caliber sniper rifles or 2,000 AK-47s, this Barrett was not a new idea. I ran the first guerrilla operations uh, during the Vietnam War. I used Cambodians as my guerrillas. They hated the Vietnamese, which meant that they hated the North Vietnamese as badly as they did the Viet Cong, which meant uh, the South Vietnamese, communists. Now, it took me about six months before I thought we leave when we would have an ambush. We booby-trapped all of the weapons, the bodies. I know according to uh, the rules of land warfare, you're not supposed to booby-trap bodies. But I hadn't read the rules of land warfare at that time. To me, we're supposed to kill all the North Vietnamese that we could, or certain high-value targets. So I... uh, we had, we get into a secret base, we would send out patrols. There would be the weapon squad of each of the platoons would stay back as security to guard our base and the rucksacks because you don't tote a heavy rucksack out there on patrol or during a raid or whatever, uh, an ambush, whatever you're doing. You leave all of that at a cache site. Now, we started doing something a little different. The guys that were left back at base that had uh, plenty of time would take captured hand grenades. And they were held together. They were like pineapples. They had a wooden handle. And then they had a serrated iron uh, body. And you could take the nails out from around Uh, the wooden handle and take the handle off. Whoa! Here, the internal workings of the grenade was packed uh, with an explosive, and in there was a blasting cap, and then there was a fuse that went, and you had a string that uh, you would take the top off of the uh, handle, middle, and then you pull this string, and it would strike the fuse, just like on an M1 uh, fuse lighter. And then the fuse was cut to burn four seconds before uh, igniting the blasting cap, which blew the hand grenade. Well, if you cut off the fuse and got rid of it, and put it all back together, you couldn't tell the difference by looking at the hand grenade from the outside. 
We did the same with the B-40 rockets, which were the uh, anti-tank RPG, rocket-propelled grenade. We did the same thing to large caliber 12.7 machine gun ammunition. We loaded, and then the CIA thought it was such a great idea that they began to furnish us with whole crates of ammunition. Well, the problem was that Americans liked uh, the AK-47, so they would carry the AK and use it instead of the M-16 and the other weapons which weren't as good as the Russian stuff. The problem is this loaded munitions began to get back where it was captured, and uh, there were a couple of American casualties where the weapon was blowing up. So Westmoreland, who was a daddy rabbit then, put out an order saying it would be a court-martial offense for any American to be found uh, carrying or possessing or using a Russian weapon, any kind of Russian weapon. The B-40, which was the RPG-7, because we had uh, set those things to go off in the tubes. Mortar rounds, when you dropped them, they exploded in the tube. Rifles, when you fired them, they blew up in your face. And what a a psychological uh, tool this was, because all the communists were afraid to pull the trigger because they never knew when they had an explosive round. You couldn't tell them. They were made from actual rounds. You just uh, very carefully pull the bullet cone out and pour out the powder and put in a high explosive, put it back together, and put it back into the rifle or into a magazine if it was an AK-47 or a belt if it was a 12.7. So why don't we, like in the ATF, if you're going to give them 2,000 AK-47s, why don't we fix it so that these weapons and these 50 caliber sniper rifles that are killing scores of innocent people and making it impossible for the Mexican government to control the border. We need the United States Marine Corps on the border and the Army. We need to bring them out of Afghanistan, bring them out of Iraq, and let them wipe out this Mexican mafia narco army. And we provided it. The BATF now admits it. And the director is going to have to quit. And I hope there's a lot more than that. How can you just let some guy that ogles and gets off on watching uh, crooks take uh, AK-100s, thousands of AK-47s, and walk out of gun stores, walk past uh, any people that might, stop and inspect them, go through uh, U.S. customs at the border, 
and just go out and hand out the uh, the AK. What was ATF thinking? How stupid! And because you know there are agents that say, "Wait a minute, this is dumb," so they came forward and they've reported this thing now, which is a Obama administration invention. But they should have put something that assured destruction of these weapons. Give them the bad ammunition. Let them blow themselves up. Let them be afraid to pull a trigger. Uh, Now, you want to know what's behind a lot of this? Over the weekend, uh, we had a big golf tournament. And uh, it was the America, it was the biggest golf tournament that we have. It was the American Open. And the American Open was uh, being televised through NBC. Well, it's not good enough that NBC just has the privilege of uh, putting the camera on some of the world's uh, greatest golfers. But they mess with the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And they did it twice. (laughs) I can't believe it. Well, people aren't stupid. They heard what NBC did, and now NBC is getting a hot fudge enema and should be a lot more. I'm not watching anything on NBC when they think that they are so powerful that they have a network run by these people who will take under God out of the pledge. So here's what NBC let the television audience And then they omitted under God. The first, it happened twice. The first time it was, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. And then they didn't bleep it. They just omitted it with liberty and justice for all. So they admitted under God and were feeling Mighty proud. Now, seconds later, the pledge was repeated, and here is what NBC said. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands with liberty and justice for all. I wonder if Obama got on the phone and said, hey, listen, you got to do better than that than just cutting God out. You know, Obama's wife, Michelle, is on record saying that we hate the pledge, that we hate the flag because it's a flag of, of slavery. It's a flag that has got stained with blood, all of this. We hate, she says, and Obama has 
said also, we hate the national anthem, all these bombs bursting in air. Well, I got news for them. I think they're going to lose, and I pray. I don't know how we got so dumb. It's because we didn't have any choice. And, you know, they're playing this thing really smart. I tell you, it, it is amazing. I listen to, I'm not going to listen to NBC anymore. That They're the enemy, as far as I'm concerned, when they try a sigh war and just rip the heart out of the Pledge of Allegiance. So uh, they, I mean, you keep on watching it, but not me. But I think that we're going to have to be very careful. And I'm, I'm going to tell you again, and it probably won't be the last time, Huntsman may appear to be a great candidate. He was the governor of Utah. This means that he will have all of the Mormon vote out of Utah. But that's not enough to win him the presidency. What it will do is allow Huntsman will lose, even though they will win Utah, but Obama will win the election. And that is something that is acceptable. So, if you don't like Huntsman, then go ahead with Mitt Romney. Same thing is going to happen. Same thing. So, who do we have to look at? Well, we all know about Ron Paul. But the grand old party will not even let Ron Paul in the campaign when the nominations are going on. So we're going to have to look very hard. And we're going it's going to have to come out and we're going to have to say like at the because who do you suppose uh, the uh, the little tea party will choose? We're gonna have to make it clear about uh, neither one of these men being able to beat Obama in the long run. By the way, a person who did win was just seventeen. She's from where I went to school, Nebraska, Miss America. Youngest winner since the first pageant in 1921 is, and the first ever from the Cornhusker State in Nebraska. And so uh, I want to congratulate uh, here. <laughs> She's the youngest Miss America uh, since it started uh, back in 1938, Rosemary. La Planche was runner-up in 1940 and easily won the crown in 41, despite being one month too young to compete, according to the pageant's website. 
at 17 years old, aspiring politician from Nebraska, has captured Miss America this last Saturday, beating 52 other young women from across the United States. Teresa Scanlon, S-C-A-N-L-A-N, won a $50,000 scholarship and a year-long run with the crown at the competition at Planet Hollywood Casino. All right. Now, uh, let me kindly ask you to give good thought. And if you would, my email address is uh, bogrites, B-O-G-R-I-T-Z, at msn.com. Kindly uh, let me know how you feel about uh, this president business. By the way, Walmart uh, was found by the Supreme Court not to be liable to 1.5 million women who had, as a group, joined a super case against Walmart uh, for uh, being unfair to them. And the Supreme Court said, uh, no, you've got to have something that's common. There's nothing common. The women are all different, so the women are going to have to carry their suits individually, or at least in smaller groups. If Walmart would have lost, whoa. We may have had another super drugstore. All right, stay with American Voice Radio. That's a love and order. I will see you tomorrow. America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Train to live off nature's land. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies 
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Monday, June 22nd, 2015. It is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to change your clocks to be more in sync with this show. There, how's that for hubris? This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is, of course, we do give that exemption to those people from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if we was to require them to think, that would create a a hazardous on-the-job conflict of interest, because obviously... In the positions they're in, if they were able to think, they wouldn't be employed doing such. 
uh, they'd have more productive jobs, but I digress. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. Just dial 1-800-932-1980. We do have Yahoo Instant Messenger up and operating. It is the same ID as it has been for well over 15 years, longer than this show has been on this uh, network, and that is KC7AQK, and those come directly to me, unfiltered, uncensored, right to me. As is our want, we like to open up the show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. I don't like ass kissers, flag wavers, or team players. I like people who buck the system. Individualists. I often warn people, somewhere along the way, someone is going to tell you, there is no I in team. What you should tell them is, maybe not. But there is an I in independence, individuality, and integrity. End quote. Thank you, George Carlin, for putting it so well. The time for wishy-washiness has long passed. Okay, we have 24 pages in our show newsletter for you today. Your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom. And we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. And welcome back to the show. Remember, my friends, my job is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. You know, it's real simple. It's okay if you disagree with me. After all, I can't force you to be right. And it's as simple as that. Okay, let's get into it. Yeah, I know. I know. That was hubris. I know. That was big, you know, big headedness. But you know what? That's the thing. When you're able to see the dots and connect them and consistently be on the bleeding edge of figuring out things, even at the risk of sometimes being wrong, and I have been, but I've admitted it, I've shown it to you, at the same time exposing what was really going on that I was wrong about. Okay? Hell, that's the only way to be. But, well, hey... It builds an ego, and I admit it. Hello? 
Okay, breaking news today. SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, overturns L.A. law allowing police to conduct warrantless searches of hotel guest registries. The issue was five to four in Los Angeles versus Patel. Quote from the decision, quote, a hotel owner who refuses to give an officer access to his or her registry can be arrested on the spot, observed the majority opinion of, wait for it, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Wow! I was, my head was spinning here. I was like, whoa, really? The wise Latina is actually thinking? Oh my goodness, what else will happen? I mean, I expect the world to stop spinning here, but I digress. She goes on and says, remember, she wrote the majority lead opinion. She wrote, businesses, business owners cannot reasonably be put to this kind of choice, end quote. Under Supreme Court precedent, she explained, quote, absent consent, exigent circumstances, or the like, in order for an administrative search to be constitutional, the subject of the search must be afforded an opportunity to obtain pre-compliance review before a neutral decision maker, end quote. Well, because the Los Angeles law did not allow protesting hotel owners to seek such review in the face of police commands, the law was ruled unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment. The decision carried on saying, quote, to be clear, we hold only that a hotel owner must be afforded an opportunity to have a neutral decision maker review an officer's demand to search the registry before he or she faces penalties for failing to comply. Actual review need only occur in those rare instances where a hotel operator objects to turning over the registry, end quote. Well, my friends, I think that now with this ruling, the, it shouldn't be rare instances where a hotel operator objects. It should now happen every single time because now the supreme court has said you can't arrest me for demanding that you get a warrant hello see the doorstep that you're the doormat you're standing on yes it says come back with a warrant and i meant it when you before you stepped on it mm-hmm okay my friends I've told you about stuff like this, but it, 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 when you have more people coming out and realizing what the heck is going on and then discussing it, it's like, how many dots do I need to connect for you before you start to see it? Now, most of you out there, they're listening to my voice right now. You've already connected the dots. You see it. But there's some out there. I know. I can feel you out there. You've already got your hackles up on your back, and you're like, what do you mean can't connect the dots? What are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm a dummy? No, I'm not trying to say you're a dummy. I'm just simply saying, if you don't connect the dots, maybe you're not seeing the whole picture. Um, 
uh, oh, uh, I'm being asked by Andrew. I'm being asked, will you be touching upon the Confederate flag nonsense? Not this week, because, well, you got it right there. It's nonsense. It's much ado about nothing. And it will, and it is a big, huge distractify, my friends. And I'm not going to be distracted from, again, connecting some dots here. So let's connect some dots. And what do we got here? Let's see. Click that. There we go. I'm going to minimize that. There we go. One of the most important scientists in the world said, most cancer research is largely a fraud, end quote. Hmm. Well, he also said, quote, everyone should know that most cancer research is largely a fraud and that the major cancer research organizations are derelict in their duties to the people who support them, end quote. Oh, let's see. we got another instant message. Oh, this is good. I like this. Uh, instant messages. Um, <laughs> perfect. I'm glad you approve. Perfect answer. That is right. Because it is. It's a distractify. So let's, let's not stop being distracted and get back to here. Now, who was this scientist? Why, that came from Linus Pauling, Ph.D., and two-time Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, lived from 1901 to 1994, and he was considered one of the most important scientists in history. He is one of the founders of quantum chemistry and molecular biology, who is also a well-known peace activist. He was invited to be in charge of the chemistry division of the Manhattan Project, but refused. He's also done a lot of work on military applications and has pretty much done it and seen it all when it comes to the world of science. A quick Google search will suffice if you'd like to learn more about him. However, this man has been around the block and obviously knows a thing or two about the subject, and he is not the only expert from around the world expressing similar beliefs and voicing his opinion. Here is another great example of a hard-hitting quote when it comes to scientific fraud and manipulation. It comes from Dr. Marcia Ang Angel, a physician and longtime editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, which is considered to be one of the most prestigious peer-reviewed medical journals in the world. And she said, quote, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, end quote. Wow. Did you catch that? No longer possible to believe much of the clinical research. Wow. Well, the list goes on and on. Dr. John Baylor who spent 20 years on the staff of the National Cancer Institute and is also a former editor of its journal, 
publicly stated in a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science that, quote, my overall assessment is that the National Cancer Program must be judged a qualified failure. Our whole cancer research in the past 20 years has been a total failure, end quote. Well, my friends, you really need to read the rest of this article. I have the link right here, and it also includes information about fluoride, among other things, and how the whole medical, quote, community, end quote, has been manipulated and co-opted into just another extension of government control speak to control you, your life, your health, your livelihood, everything, my friends. And it's all right here, laid out for you. Mm-hmm. Next on the Hit Parade, you know, it's kind of hard, at least the last time I checked, it's kind of hard for two men to have children. You know, somewhere in the mix, you got to have a woman, you know, somewhere, right? Well, with that in mind, bombshell, <clears throat> documents surface proving that <clears throat> Michelle Obama never gave birth to Malia and Sasha. Like I said, kind of hard for two men to have children, and yes, I mean exactly what I said there, my friends. Dean James writes and says, Have you ever seen a picture of Michelle Obama pregnant? I haven't. And that's probably because <clears throat> she never was. Barack Obama and the <clears throat> First Lady... Michelle Obama, have kept a tight lid on photos of their precious daughters being released by the press. Still, we have seen a startling lack of pictures from the early years of Malia and Sasha. Now, we have evidence that this may not be due to the fact that Michelle has ordered the press not to release them, but that they do not exist. Malia and Sasha show very little to no resemblance to their, quote, parents, end quote. As Fellowship of the Minds points out, this could very well be because the two girls were adopted, possibly from Morocco. Just as we have seen with their Barry, there isn't much evidence of their background. Online searches for Malia and Sasha's birth records come up dry. We've seen pictures of Barack and <clears throat> Michelle dating back far before they had children, like shots from their wedding, but when it comes to what would have been Michelle's childbearing years, there is absolutely nothing. Not one picture of <clears throat> her pregnant or with a newborn baby zero ancestry.com and genealogybank.com have no records of malia or sasha being born 
which is too unlikely to be a mere coincidence if they are in the fact the biological children of <clears throat> Barack and <clears throat> Muchel, considering the fact that they are widely known public figures. Adding to suspicions is the fact that Malia and Sasha were allegedly delivered, get this, by a close family friend of the Obamas, Dr. Anita Blanchard, though no public record of these deliveries exists. Wikipedia entry states that Malia and Natasha Obama, quote, were both delivered by their parents' friends, Dr. Anita Blanchard, at the University of Chicago Medical Center, end quote. Wikipedia's source for that assertion regarding the birth of the Obama's daughter is referenced by an article of Jody Cantor entitled, quote, Obama's Friends Form Strategy to Stay Close, end quote, published in the New York Times, surprise, surprise, December 13, 2008. The article is about a group of Obama's closest friends in Chicago, among whom are, are you ready for this, Valerie Jarrett, now Obama's senior White House advisor, and a black man named Martin Nesbitt, who is now, according to New York Times, quote, a real estate executive, and Nesbitt's wife, Dr. Anita Blanchard. Uh-huh. Included in the article, my friends, is a a graphic of B.O.'s close circle of friends, you know, with connect the dots between them and who they are, where they are, and what they are, etc. So, what do you think? Do you think Malia and Sasha are the biological children of Barack and <clears throat> Michelle Obama? Well, no matter what, you have to admit that this is suspicious. Now, I understand high-profile figures taking measures to secure their privacy, but pregnancy pics really don't exactly fall into the category of national security. You get my drift? And furthermore, college records that have been under lock and key, well, that's also suspicious. You know, perhaps the Kenyan didn't want us to see the crappy grades he got, or his shabby attendance records. But whatever the reason he has, I do believe that the American public has the right to see those records as well as be provided legitimate birth certificate. Hmm? As Obama's disaster of a pre presidency enters the final stage, you know, I suppose one could say that this is all water under the bridge. After all, what difference does it make? Well, it still means a lot. And if it means a lot to you, pass it on and show everyone what a POS Obama is. I'll let you figure out what POS stands for. Mm-hmm. Next on the hit parade, treason. Yeah, treason. Look what John Bonehead just did to the Republicans who stood against Obama. Yep. Following last week's defeat of Resident B.O.'s trade bill, <clears throat> Republican House Speaker John Bonehead has begun pushing back against those he views as having betrayed him. According to reports, quote, 
Representatives Cynthia Loomis, Republican Wyoming, Rep. Steve Pierce, Republican New Mexico, and Rep. Trent Franks, Republican Arizona, have been removed from the whip team after they sided with GOP rebels to vote against a rule governing debate on the trade bill, end quote. Hmm. Speaker Bonehead made it clear Tuesday morning that he wasn't happy with those who dared express their own opinions. He told reporters, quote, I'm not very happy about it, end quote. Well, I don't have only one thing to say to that. Wah, 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 wah. You want a binky bonehead? A pacifier? Is that what you need? You need a blankie wrapped up around you so you feel good about it? So you don't feel like your feelings are being hurt? Wah, wah, wah. Just suck it up and grow a set, bonehead. Mm-hmm. If you think they're bad, well, I'm going to really tell you what I think. You're an ignorant jerk. <sighs> I'd say more, but... I think you get the picture. He continued, Bonehead continued, and I made it pretty clear to the members today I was not very happy. We're a team, and we've worked hard to get the majority. We've worked hard to stay in the majority, and I expect our team to act like a team. And I frankly made it pretty clear I wasn't very happy, end quote. Again, wah, wah, wah. Well, Speaker Boner has made it clear that he will not tolerate dissent in his own ranks. Anyone notice the irony of punishing people for voting how they please in Congress, no less? Bonehead should be punishing himself instead of members of his own party. He is the one who sided with B.O. time and time again, despite the American public electing a Republican majority to the Congress to stop his liberal agenda. He should do us all a favor and step down as the House Speaker so Congress can elect a Speaker with clear conservative principles. Yep, Speaker Boner. He's acting like a child. We need new House leadership, someone who will respect members of his own party and the wishes of the American people, not bonehead. Wah, wah, wah. I feel disrespected disrespected, I'm telling you. Wah, wah, wah. If I had a paddle, I'd paddle his ass right now. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, I'd paddle some uh, nether regions of his lower anatomy right now. Um, you get the idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, time. Time. Uh, okay, I'll just give you uh, highlights of upcoming events here rather than get into things. I'm going to tell you about how if you decide to get one of these self-driving cars, yeah, how they could be programmed to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're really going to want to stay tuned for that, my friends. I'm going to tell you also about how Texas has taken a huge step to secure the border. And, you know, uh, uh, well, Obama's response and such. Oh, you got to really hear about this. Oh, and I'm going to review something because it's actually come up again about Bill Clinton's mistress and dropping a bombshell about Hillary. Um, viewer listener discretion is really going to be necessary for this because it's going to contain adult subject matter. 
And if you're easily offended about adult subject matter, you might want to take that into consideration. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. And. 
And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs. It was pointed out to me very nicely from Miss D in Oregon that the in regards to Andrew's instant message about uh, covering the uh, Carolina or the yeah the Carolina flag issue and and such in the uh, um, you know the Confederate flag issue and I answered and I said what I said you know about uh, um, it's not important it's a distractify and there's other things and this is meant to distract you from the real issues going on well Miss D um, put it also as a reminder, saying, it's all smoke and mirrors, bread and circuses, as old as Roman politics, and all to distract us from Jade Helm and other deep political issues. And uh, and furthermore, commenting on the issue of uh, Malik and Sasha's uh, birth records and such, that also is a distractify. Well, I see your point in one way. I'm going to agree in one way. It is a bit of a distraction. However, what it also does is it brings up and says that we are being governed by frauds. And you show fraud, just like someone lying on the stand, a.k.a. perjury, once they have engaged in it and you've shown that they've engaged in it, that means anything else they do is now highly suspect. So, while that's true, yeah, it is a bit of a distraction over many deeper issues out there. The point I'm trying to make is the fraud. And it's just another pointing at the fraud. So I appreciate your views, everyone that sends in messages. I really do. And I hope you appreciate them, too. Seriously. Okay. Now, um... On to what I said, your self-driving car. Yeah. If you decide to get one of these, you might want to think twice, because after all, it could be programmed to kill you to save others. Uh-huh. The newest tech dream these days, well, it seems to be, like I said, self-driving cars, vehicles programmed to take us back and forth without the need of a human driver. But what will these machines be programmed to do? During an impending catastrophic accident, at least one ethicist is warning that your self-driving car might be programmed to save the most lives during such a situation, i.e. killing you in the process. Ethicists and philosophers have used many tests to determine how a living person deals with a no-win situation. You know... One where whatever decision is made, someone will get hurt. Maybe even the person being tested. So how one answers that question can determine who lives and who dies in real-life situations. Certainly. But what happens when that decision is being made by a computer? What if, for instance, your driverless car decides that your life is expendable in order to save a school bus full of children? Are you comfortable with a soulless computer making a life-or-death decision when it's your life on the line? 
should the computer in your driverless car be able to use a utilitarian philosophy to save the lives of others, even if yours is sacrificed to do so? See, this is the question which with ethicists are now wrestling. Quote, utilitarianism tells us that we should always do what will produce the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people, Amin Barji, a Rhodes Scholar in Ethics, recently explained. In other words, if it comes down to a choice between sending you into a concrete wall or swerving into the path of an oncoming school bus, utilitarian programming could tell your car to send you into that concrete wall, thereby sacrificing your life to save that busload of people. Vehicles could be programmed to kill you if there's enough utility in the decision. So with the idea of driverless cars growing and multiple manufacturers from Google to inventor Elon Musk to the Swedish car company Volvo all racing headlong toward driverless vehicles, this ethical debate is something that we all need to be aware of. And if you've not been aware of it, well, maybe you might want to become aware of it, my friends. Okay, as promised, Texas takes a huge step to secure borders, well, since Obama won't. Novell Rose reports that more than 100,000 active gang members are a dangerous plague on the people of Texas. Many of those gang members associated with cross-border crimes, such as human smuggling and illegal drug trafficking. So says the get-tough governor of Lone Star State, Greg Abbott, according to a report on Breitbart. That's one of the reasons Abbott just signed what the Breitbart article describes as, quote, the toughest and most comprehensive border security plan of any state in the United States of America, end quote. Quote, what we are, we are doing, not what, we are doing this because border security has turned out to be a real challenge for the people of this state, not just on the border region, but across communities across the entire state of Texas, Governor Abbott said. An Associated Press article shared on the ABC 15 News website notes that the Republican governor, citing the B.O. administration's failure to do what it should do to help keep Texas residents safe, has approved $800 million for border security over the next two years. $400 million a year, my friends. Mm-hmm. This extraordinary expenditure will give Texas law enforcement a number of new personnel plus high-tech tools to combat the violent drug cartels and illegal border crossings. Already in the big Texas toolbox are six high-speed gunboats with weapons that can fire 900 rounds per minute. The AP article notes, saying, on Texas' shopping list is a second Seven and a half million dollar high altitude plane. Notice this is saying a second one, okay? High altitude plane to scan the border, a new border crime data center, and 5,000 acre training facility for border law enforcement agencies and grants for year round helicopter flights. 
The state also wants to hire two dozen Texas Rangers to investigate public corruption along the border and 250 new state troopers as a down payment on a permanent force along the border. That's the end of the excerpt from the AP article. Well, instances of criminal activity associated with illegal immigrants have become so prevalent in Texas that the state legislature has sent the governor a number of measures to give residents greater rights in arming and defending themselves. As KXAN-TV noted, in a recent report, Governor Abbott made the expansion of gun rights a top priority for of his first legislative session as the state's chief executive. And this is the way the report went. Governor Greg Abbott stopped at a gun range to sign into law bills letting Texas carry concealed handguns on college camp by and openly carry them virtually everywhere else. He says the law means Texans can be sure their Second Amendment rights will be stronger and more secure than ever before. Interesting. The Texas governor says he will press the BO administration to pick up the tab for the enhanced border security measures, seeking reimbursement from the federal government for the hundreds of millions of dollars the state has to spend to handle what Governor Abbott contends should have been a federal responsibility in the first place. I have a suggestion for you, Governor Abbott. Your state sends an awful lot of tax money to the IRS. You should put a lien on that. Be the first lean on that, that uh, what you spend doing the federal government's job is now kept within the state. And send a little note to the federal government, that to the IRS, excuse me, not the federal government, to the IRS saying, if you want the rest of this, go see the federal government, because they're the ones who should have been providing it. And get it back that way. But that's just my humble idea. I don't know. What do you think? Okay. Also, as promised, this contains adult language, adult subject matter. We are talking about Bill Clinton, after all. So if you're easily upset or offended by adult language and adult subject matter, maybe you might want to tune out. For a minute or so here because like I say we are talking about Bill Clinton here and that is a very uh, hard R-rated subject my friends well having said that Jennifer Flowers is probably most notable for being the first of many <clears throat> bimbo eruptions the Clintons have had to face in the last 20 years her revelations almost derailed the Clinton campaign in 1992, but as it turns out, Democrats are easily duped. If you don't believe that, see Barack Obama. Flowers, who is now a sex-advised columnist, dropped another revelation that could kill another Clinton campaign if only the media would report it. In an interview with the UK Daily Mail, Flowers said that her <clears throat> lover had revealed to her a fact long suspected by many, that Hillary was a lesbian. There you go.
Flowers saying that she, quote, never considered theirs, the Clintons, a traditional marriage, end quote, talked about how Bill would speak about his wife. Again, warning, adult subject matter here. This is Bill Clinton speaking, saying, he, Jennifer Flowers quoting Bill Clinton, quote, he said Hillary had eaten more P blank 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 Y, I'll let you fill in the blanks, than he had, end quote, Flowers bluntly put it. And judging by Bill Clinton's record, that's quite a bit. <laughs> Flowers also said she wasn't surprised that rumors had surfaced that Hillary was carrying on a relationship with Huma Abedin, one of her chief staffers. Abedin, like Hillary, has suffered through the public indignity of a cheating spouse, in her case, former Congressman Anthony Weiner, the brother of Michael Weiner, the guy who runs the Savage Nation radio show. Yes, that Weiner. Yes. Quote, I don't know Huma or the Wieners, Flowers said. Quote, I just know what Bill told me. And that was that he was aware that Hillary was bisexual and he didn't care, end quote. And as for Hillary's reasons for staying with Bill, Flowers says it was naked political ambition. Quote, absolutely that was her reason for sticking by him. And he's going to stick by her because he owes her that, end quote. Many in the media will say that Flowers is a liar who's looking for attention to slander the Clinton family. Of course, this is also what they said back in 1992. And by the time then-President Clinton was giving his deposition in the Paula Jones case, he acknowledged that Flowers' entire story was true. Given that track record... This is certainly a rumor to watch, my friends. Yep. Okay, there we go. Um, those of you that maybe had friends that turned it off because you didn't want to hear adult-themed things about Bill Clinton, uh, tell your friends that they can turn it back on now, because now we're going to talk about other adult-themed things. That is about a, a cop who killed his wife in front of other cops, waves a gun around, and he's not killed by his fellow cops. <gasps> wow! Really? Neptune City, New Jersey. Dateline, Neptune City. Neptune Township Police Sergeant Phil Seidel has been charged with murder after hunting down his ex-wife and killing her. Seidel had their seven-year-old child in his car throughout the entire ordeal. The couple divorced in May with nine children between them. And according to reports, there was a dispute about the financial terms of the divorce and the child support money. After an argument between Phil Seidel and his wife, Tamara, Phil chased her down the road while his seven-year-old daughter was in the vehicle. The vehicle lost control and crashed, at which point Phil exited his vehicle and shot and killed his ex-wife in front of a neighborhood full of people in broad daylight. According to Prosecutor Mark Lemieux, quote, as Tamara Seidel was trying to flee into a parked car on Seawall Avenue, Philip Seidel's car then crashed into hers. He got out of the car, 
pulled out his handgun, approached her car, immediately firing into the driver's side several times, end quote. Well, quickly after the shooting, police shut down the roads leading to the area and began a standoff with Seidel. As onlookers recorded with their cell phone cameras, Seidel held a gun to his head and threatened to shoot as police attempted to disarm him. Eventually, he surrendered to police and was taken into custody. Although Seidel was obviously dangerous and unstable, no force was used against him to prevent him from firing again. Meanwhile, cops across the country shoot and kill people who are entirely unarmed. There's been no indication as to what will happen to his nine children now that their mother is dead and their father is in jail. There you go, my friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't help it, my friends, because this story is in many ways a microcosm, or now it's been blown up into a macrocosm, of so many things that are desperately wrong in our society. I've got to talk about it. This headline, The Stupid Continues. Rachel Dolezal says no proof her parents are really her parents. Okay, hang on, my friend. I got my tongue stuck in my cheek. Oh, oh, man, that's really painful when that happens. On Tuesday, Rachel Dolezal, the former spokesman for for Spokane, NAACP chapter president, who resigned amid controversy over her race, well, she doubled down on her claim, telling the Today Show that she identifies as black. After that, she appeared on NBC Nightly News to discuss her identity with Savannah Guthrie. In that interview, she said there's no proof her parents are really her parents. Seriously? Here's a partial transcript that was just posted at PerezHilton.com. Quote, I know who raised me. I haven't had a DNA test. There's been no biological proof that Larry and Ruthann are my biological parents. I'm not necessarily saying that I can prove that they're not, but I don't know that I actually can prove they are. I mean, the birth certificate is issued a month and a half after I'm born. There were no medical witnesses to my birth. I definitely am not white. Nothing about being white describes, hang on, who I am. So, what's the word for it? The closest thing I can come to is, if you're black or white, I'm black. I'm more black than I'm white, end quote. What's my reaction to this whole thing? Well, it's summed up by a wonderful cartoon of someone who's kneeling down and his head's exploding on fire and and just screaming in agony and it reads the stupid it burns that's my reaction my friends and in related rachel news stunning video just surfaced of rachel dolezal in baltimore fanning the flames Uh uh-huh a recently surfaced video showing Rachel Dolezal, the 
former head of the Spokane, Washington NAACP chapter, participating in a protest against police brutality in Baltimore last month following the death of Freddie Gray. In the video, Dolezal tells the assembled group of black protesters that she can identify with the problems they are having with police brutality in Baltimore. She relates how they have been having the same types of issue in the, quote, other Washington, end quote. She mentions the case of Lorenzo Hayes, age 37, who died in Spokane police custody on May 13th under some circumstances similar to Freddie Gray. Dolezal says she and others marched in protest in Washington because of his mysterious death. She tells the Baltimore protesters that police brutality is, quote, something that is affecting us nationwide, and if there is no justice, there will be no peace, end quote. She then starts, now, mind you, no justice, no peace. Keep that in mind. She then starts leading them in a chant. No justice, no peace, no racist police. Wow, that's really catchy. (laughs) Really catchy. Those all went on to meet with the notorious Baltimore persecutor, Marilyn Mosby, whose office has made several missteps in bringing its case against the six officers accused in the involvement of the death of Freddie Gray, from listing the wrong people on arrest warrants to filing a motion in the wrong court. As reported, and this is supposed to be a professional prosecutor here, my friends, according to to a report by Western Journalism, both Dolezal's parents and her brother have confirmed that she is in fact Caucasian and a birth certificate also proves her ethnicity. And despite her saying about it was issued a month and a half after, well, my friends, I looked at the record. It was issued immediately, but it took the registrar a month and a half to get it registered. So that's what she's going by. Oh, it was issued a month and a half after I was born. No, it was issued long before then, you dumb bimbo. It just took a month and a half for the, the state to get around to registering it themselves. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, and by the way, that birth certificate also proves her ethnicity. And am I the only one to notice that she has stunning Blue eyes? Hmm? Am I the only one? You know, when was the last time you saw a Negro, to use the proper term, my friends, when was the last time you saw a Negro with stunning blue eyes? Okay, I'll look over here to the left. No, I don't see any hands going up. I'm looking over to the right. I don't see... Let me look behind me. Maybe someone behind me. I don't see any hands going up over there either. That's what I thought. Dolezal told today's Matt Lauer that she nonetheless identifies as black. After all, she's raising two black sons and said, quote, I have a huge issue with blackface. This is not some freak birth of a nation mockery blackface performance, she said. She went on, this is a very real, connected level, how I've had to go there with the experience, not just a visible representation, but with the experience, end quote. I will remind you, my friends, that Birth of a Nation is the controversial film about the Civil War and Reconstruction period in the South with a cast that included white actors portraying black people. And did I mention the blue eyes? 
You know, I just thought I'd mention that, my friends. NBC News reported that Dolezal resigned from her position as president of the NA. And AALCP Spokane, Washington chapter, quote, amid the controversy surrounding her and claims that she had made about her race and upbringing, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. More on the stupid it burns. Teacher says, I don't teach Shakespeare because he's white. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Washington Post has published a guest article by a California teacher arguing that American high school students shouldn't read Shakespeare because he's a dead white man. Dana Dusenbieber, who teaches English in Sacramento, says she avoids Hamlet and all the rest because her minority students shouldn't be expected to study a, quote, long-dead British guy, end quote. I will remind you, my friend, Dusenbieber herself is white. And while Shakespeare is widely regarded as the premier writer of the English language, able to timelessly portray themes central to the human experience, Deuce Bieber says he is only regarded that way because some white people ordained it, and he can easily be replaced. She said, quote, why not teach the oral tradition out of Africa, which includes an equally relevant commentary on human behavior. She suggested also, quote, why not teach translations of early writings or oral storytelling from Latin America or Southeast Asia or other parts of the world? Many, many of our students come from these languages and traditions. Perhaps we no longer have the time to study the Western canon that so many of us know and hold dear, end quote. Well, my dear Deucin Bieber, who's going to write it down? Hmm? If these are oral traditions, somebody's going to have to write them down, which means it's going to be written. (gasps) And that means it might be written by white guys. Hello? And if that happens, does that make it less relevant? Yeah. To bolster her case for dumping the bard... Deucen Bieber says that minority students, like those who dominate her classroom, deserve to study their own cultures rather than being exposed to Eurocentrism. But at the same time, note this, she takes the exact opposite position for whites, saying schools should be a place for them to explore cultures other than their own. Like I said, my friends... The stupid, it burns really bad. Okay, uh, when we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to tell you about the Rent-A-Crowd Company and what they've been up to, my friends. You're really going to want to hear about this. And I'm also going to tell you about how the anti-drilling environmentalists managed to trash the environment in Seattle. Yeah, again, the stupid. It burns, my friends, really bad. And I just love exposing it. I hope you enjoy hearing it as much as I enjoy exposing it. And then we'll get into links of interest and other goody things. So I'm just letting you know what the heck is coming up on the hit parade here. And there we go. That 
concludes this section of the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Every movie makes another chance to take Our thought you won't live to see tomorrow Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.